Friday, you bastard. Doi, 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 doi. And that's why I think the Jets will have a championship season. The Jets? And what did I tell you? You don't talk till I say you can talk. This is the beast. I said shut up, fatso. But you're like a father to me. You don't talk till I'm done talking. When I'm done talking, then you talk. Okay, I'll... Hey, beast, come here. What? Come here. I want you to meet a friend of mine, Mr. Golf Club. <laughs> Why, I ought to... I've got to show you the business end of this thing. Come here. <laughs> this court sentences you to 20 years in Oz. <laughs> you info. I, uh, tore the tag off my mattress. Uh, looks like we'll be, uh, bunkmates. Uh, the name's Mo Howard David. Star of stage, screen, and paradise. Uh, what's yours? Nico Mikofe. Hmm, you got so tan. Right, thank you. Uh, hey, get out. What are you doing? So powerful to drill, uh, honey. I'm gonna make you my woman. Hey, nobody stop God! God! Oh, God! Oh, dear, Pinky! All right, shower time. You got ten minutes. Well, it's to be safe in here. Yo, Bowtie. Yo, man. Get a load of our new Linda Blair over there. Hey, so is pretty. Oh, okay. Hey, don't embarrass me like that. Do you know who I am? Okay, man. Bend over and pick it up now. Oh, All right. But I expect a written apology on my first one. that broom handle, Bowtie? Yeah, Lord, broom handle. I'll take the warden will see you now. Thanks. Well, Mr. David. Hello, warden. Oh, Jack. Jack, warden. How can I help you? Well, you see, warden. Yes? I keep getting raped. Oh, isn't that a shame? I'll look into it right away. Thanks, warden. It's about time, somebody. But now drop your pad. Huh? I said drop your pad. This is Oz. Favors don't come cheap. Yo, yo, yo. Let's rape Mo. Radio Big Shot. That's how we pass the time away in the gay old jail of Oz. Oh! 903 at 560 WQAM. What can I say, huh? I'm speechless, and I'm sure you are too. Let's just play that all day today. What do you say? <laughs> Let's just play that for four hours. Oh! Sounds good to me. Sounds like a wiener. Anyway, our poll yesterday, we asked, who is the most evil person in South Florida? 787, 787 votes. And you notice the 300 uh, phony votes for Rush that came in the day before? That guy must have taken a day off uh, today. Yesterday. Whatever. 787, Mayor Alex Pinga Pequena, 243 votes. He's the winner. Oh! Let's hear it for uh, Mayor Pinga Pequena. H. Wayne High Pinga, 216. He gave him a good battle, neck and neck, right down to the wire. Joe Carroyo. And, and, and did you notice the misspelling? Was it on there yesterday like that or not? It was on there, yeah, like that. Joe Carroyo with only one R. You can't roll it if it's only got one R, I don't think, can you? You shouldn't roll it if it's only got I one R. I see. So don't roll it. Joe Car Carollo, 126. Mo Howard David did pretty good, 107, breaking the uh, century mark and in, in cracking the top four. And then it was way down to the small potatoes, Greg Reed, 38, Nick Navarro, 37, out of sight, out of mind, and Petey Bolger, only 20. And that's because all the people he's destroyed are long gone. They're all on welfare somewhere. Here's our poll today. We do this about every six months. Our religion poll. Which are you? And, of course, the inspiration for this coming from the fact that, where the hell is it? Oh, yeah, in the Herald today, Catholic ranks booming in South Florida, and the Jews have fled Dade County like there was a bomb scare. But we'll get to that momentarily. Okay, here's the religion poll, and there's, a, you know, no opinion involved here, although you think it involves an opinion? Uh, I guess that's what it's about, right? I see. Hurricane Isidore, I asked George before the show, is this a Jewish oh, hurricane? Yeah. Is that what that's all about? Isidore, is he thinking about it? 
Oh, and the new pizza loft opens a week from Monday. Now, you see, Marcy told me September 3rd. She just left off the, oh! at the end. September Speaking 30th. Speaking of Monday, this, uh, this came in after the show. Yes. Monday the 23rd, trend 1 p.m. Oh, isn't that exciting? So right at the end of the show, and I can sit here and watch all those pages come flying across my fax machine, then Tuesday morning we can sit and uh, gnash and hash and examine and analyze them. It'll be a big day on Tuesday the 24th. And why is that? Smallville and trends. Oh, yeah. Oh! Not necessarily in that order as far as importance goes. Religion pool, which are you? Here are your choices. And do I, 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 you think we left anything out? No, especially I tagged Wicca on at the end there. What? Wicca. It's for Get real. Get out of here. Wicca I'm my serious. ass. I know Wiccans. Which are you? Atheist, right. agnostic, Catholic, Protestant, born-again Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, Hindu, Christian scientist, Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, Scientologist, Muslim, Sikh, and Sikh. Wiccan? Wiccan. What? Sikh? I just wrote Wicca is the name of the religion. It is not Sikh. It's Sikh. Oh. That's gonna, how they pronounce it. Captain Singh is going to stab you with his gem. Last time I talked to him, he said, I'm sick. And I said, well, here's the doctor. Here's my mother's doctor's number. He said, no, thanks. It's sick. All right. I'm going to play that bit again. <laughs> I can't stop. I can't control myself. I'm just... And by the way, Boca Brian, both of those uh, covers for your CD are... Grotesque and unacceptable, okay? Unacceptable. Go back to the drawing board. See, he said it was just me, that I'm a hypersensitive. No, it was not prick. just you. Those are grotesque. The disc is great, with the exception of number two on there. But uh, the the covers are unacceptable. And get with it, okay? Time's a waste, and it's already September 20th. Get with it. U.S. threat to stop Iraqi inspections. You remember, oh, and the good news is that Carlos is on the payroll. Oh! See that? <laughs> If I make enough, what are you such, laughing about? Such as it is. Yeah, no, we're, we're well, proud. Okay, so he's making 20 cents an hour, but hey, for a bunch of cheap bastards you got there, for the measly Beasleys, for it's Greg Freak and Reed, and all these other people that always try to stonewall folks. And you notice Clarence, by hiding in the kitchen, he they postponed it one extra day? Yeah. And I'm sure that those few cents, that, that those hours are going to come out to that one day, That's gonna that'll be the difference between them being solvent or not. $26 they saved by that one Woo! day. Woo! Heavy duty, baby. I was talking, I don't want to say to Norma Kent last night, but he was telling me about the way that they operate, how they send him checks when he's due a cash, and they like, uh, they'll post date it. Okay. They'll post date it. They'll like, one of them was post dated oh. like three months. Hey, speaking of checks, my bonus is due today. Contractually. And, and nothing. I don't have a check. Oh, contractually. Like Forget that, so about I... <laughs> it, okay? Don't start in. There's only one thing I can say about your bonus. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Anyway. So, Carlos, we finally got him on the payroll. We're getting things moving, baby. I told you, we got 15 program directors and operation managers and uh, assistant uh, executives. Heavy-duty stuff. Oh, what's this breaking news? The possibility of targeting uh, perhaps the White House or... Oh, I got that story here. That's not breaking news. Pilots saw it in ledge plot. I got that right here. You bastards, you, you liars. Liars. Did they find him? ...in Afghanistan uh, was linked to al-Qaeda uh, and had... Uh, gotten into uh, Canada yeah. sometime not too long earlier. So, uh, but now we hear from sources that uh, this man is actually in U.S. custody. And oh, we great. Are, uh, there checking you go. I told you there was some good news. We hope to have more, more details soon from law enforcement people on exactly uh, who this person is and, and what they know about Sudanese him. Air Force pilot in U.S. custody. Well, here was the story that prefaced that. U.S. intelligence agencies are reportedly searching, and now they got him. Oh! A Sudanese Air Force pilot was said to be plotting to hijack an airliner and crash it into the White House. 
That's according to the Washington Times, which quotes U.S. intelligence sources as saying the pilot trained in Afghanistan and is linked to Osama Yamama bin Laden's al-Qaeda network. There's been no public comment on the report, but obviously there is now. Um, U.S. intelligence reports sent to U.S. policymakers last week indicated that the missing pilot had entered Canada and was in this country preparing for an attack in Canada. Canadian authorities reportedly say they have no records indicating the pilot had entered the country. The pilot's name is said to be known to U.S. intelligence, but of course they're not, they're not telling. You ready for that? And we got him, baby. Oh! So let's attack Sudan next week. This week we're going to do Iraq, and then next week it's going to be Sudan. And that's basically what they're saying. That's going to be our new foreign policy. We're going to do uh, attacks of uh, deterrence. We're going to invade countries, and we're going to, like, westernize them whether they like it or not. And the new deterrence uh, game plan of the Bushmeister is going to be just, when in doubt, just attack. The American Secretary, this is from the BBC News. I, lo I love the way it's written. And, by the way, we've got some links on our website now on neilrogers.com, links to uh, Lynn uh, Samuel's website. And also to newsinsider.com, and we'll be getting some more on there. Now that I see how easy that is, and how Eric has just been eating like extra, extra breakfast. Who said it was been... easy? What do you mean by that? Oh. Well, ask uh, Carlos. Is it difficult to put those links on there? No, it's not difficult at all. Piece of cake. See, ask Carlos. Now, don't be making excuses for Eric, who's been, uh, you know, very busy. He's got to make a living there. Cost a lot to buy all that food. Anyway, this is from the BBC. The American Secretary of State Colin Powell has said the United States will find ways to stop weapons inspectors going back to Iraq unless there is a new U.N. Security Council resolution on the issue. Addressing a congressional committee, Mr. Powell said the Security Council must spell out to Iraq the serious consequences if it fails to cooperate with the inspectors. The BBC State Department correspondent John Lane says the U.S. is in effect giving an ultimato to the Security Council. The development came as the chief U.N. arms inspector, Hans Blix, told the Security Council he hoped to have an advance party in Iraq uh, on the uh, 15th of October. Mr. Blix later told reporters an advance party would go there as soon as possible. We'll select some sites that we think are interesting to go into the early phases, he said, so it's not like that it takes two months before we can send any guys out there in the field. It'll be much earlier than that. At the U.N., Iraqi Foreign Minister Naji Sabri delivered a message from President Saddam Hussein, according to uh, accusing Washington of lying about Iraq's weapons. Saddam insists that Baghdad doesn't possess chemical, biological, or nuclear weapons. <laughs> well, one out of three, or two out of three ain't bad. His letter also appeared to qualify Baghdad's surprise announcement on Monday that the U.N. could resume unfettered weapons inspections. In other words, he's made a very bad tactical mistake here. He's opened up the door again, which he'll close it again. He'll say, uh, in a couple of days, he'll say, oh, guess what, I changed my mind. You can do whatever you want. He said, any inspectors must respect arrangements on Baghdad's sovereignty and security, raising fears that Iraq might prevent access to so-called presidential sites and other sensitive areas, in other words, where he's got all the crap hidden. The White House called the statement disappointing. Now, do you really think that they're disappointed by that statement? No. No, because that's exactly what they're looking for. Open the door, baby. Come on, Saddam. Right. Earlier, President Bush sent a draft resolution to Congress asking it to authorize all necessary and appropriate means to ensure Iraqi compliance with U.N. resolutions and to restore peace and security in the region. Mr. Bush also urged the U.N. Security Council to deal with Iraq or the United States and its allies, would he said. Mr. Bush said negotiations with the Iraqis were over. They're over, baby. We're going in, whether anybody likes it or not, whether it makes sense or not, whether he's got uh, anything uh, serious or not. We're going in. You ready? We're going in. Twelve minutes after nine at 560 WQAM, and all we can say about that is... Doi, 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 doi. Let's just play, like I said, the whole thing over and over all day. Is there still somebody out there who's not playing at VIPSportsBook.com? I can't even begin to imagine that. 
Let me tell you, then you're missing out on a really great sport, a sports book if you not be doing it. You hear a lot of ads these days, but you need to do some research before you put your hard-earned cash down at some unstable third-world sports book in some place called Yenemsveld. Let me help you out. VIPSportsbook.com is the only sports book to be unanimously endorsed by the industry watchdogs. They're Dutch-based, and they're one of the first online sports books going. So seriously, if you want to go on a roll of a lifetime, you want to be with the best sports book anywhere in the universe if you're doing it, and that's VIPSportsbook.com. The football season, of course, is in full force. Just check out those Patriots, man. They're kicking some serious smelly ass. And you need to be with the best VIPSportsbook.com when the hopper gives you all the winners. So open an account online and get you a 15% cash sign-up bonus. Did I mention also they got the highest parlay odds anywheres up to 2,000 to 1. So get over to VIPSportsbook.com and play at a book with serious class. The phone number is 866-VIP-BETS, 866-VIP-BETS. That's a tool-free call. So, Or you can go online, like I said, and get you that 15% cash bonus for signing up online at VIPSportsbook.com, where you are the VIP. Live and local, this is 560. The radio is all yours. I know that the Lord even loves Neil Rogers. So to hell. It's lots of bucks they wanted. It's lots of bucks they needed. Yeah. And I just got the boot now. And my, my launch got back. Bye, bye, bye. Nine eighteen at five sixty WQAM. Happy Friday to you. I don't I don't know why I listen to you. You know how you get me uh, locked into this crap. What? Wiccan. Why did I put that on there? Because it's for real. It is there. We got okay. Look at the votes that are on there. Jewish yeah. eight, atheist eight, agnostic seven, Wiccan seven. Well, that's the guy can vote for that. He'll vote Two, for something nah, else. See, if I don't he doesn't want to put a crank that. choice on there. The guy it's can not a vote crank for choice. that. Wicking my ass. If he didn't choose that, he would have cho- chosen something else. It's just because you made a deal now, out of it. I see you're manipulating the pool now with this wicking crap. Yeah. I think we ought to take that off of there. I, I never heard of anybody who's a witch, uh, witchcraft person. A Wiccan. They're all over the place. <laughs> well, I tell you, you sure hang out in some real interesting circles. No question about that. Yeah, I do. Maybe you run into those people at the cockfights. Wiccan. Okay, hey, whatever you say. What, what the hell do I care, you know? Johnny Carson cares, though he's got emphysema, but he says he's fine. I'm okay. Johnny Carson, now didn't he used to smoke on TV on the air all the time? In the olden days, yeah. Right, before it became unacceptable to do that. Johnny Carson, retired king of late night TV, has emphysema, but says it isn't causing any major problems, is what he said. (coughs) Carson had just finished playing tennis when he learned of a tabloid report that claimed he's seriously ill. The National Enquirer story that the New York Post cited in yesterday's editions, how did I miss that? said the 76-year-old Carson had become a virtual recluse aboard his luxury yacht. 
Carson has been grappling with killer emphysema for several years and wants to stay out of the pubic eye of the supermarket tabloid. Said an issue on the newsstand. Oh, I see a ton of newsstands today. Many cases of emphysema, which causes shortness of breath, can be attributed to cigarette smoking. Oi! It cannot be cured, but if caught early, its progression can be halted. The former talk show host, who smoked on the air for many years, see if I would have just kept reading, I'd have gotten the answer to my own question, said he learned of the reports after playing tennis for 45 minutes at his Point Dume estate in Malibu. He confirmed through Carson Productions spokesman Jeff Sotzing that he's suffering from emphysema. I'm dealing with the best I can. It's not causing me any major problems, Carson said. Yada, yada, yada. When he's not spending time at his bluff-side estate, Carson cruises in his custom-built triple-decker 130-foot boat. There's Johnny. You think he could be uh, this year? No. Yeah, it's, all, it's only the middle of September, though. No. Okay, mark it down. George says no on Johnny Carson. Wiccan, we got four th uh, 400 Wiccans. Anyway, Catholic ranks booming in South Florida by Fred Tasker. Remember Fred Tasker? Boy, oh boy. <coughs> in a Herald? Oh, God. Catholic ranks booming in South Florida in line with our religion poll today, which we want to see. The reason we do it twice a year, we'll give you a chance to change your mind. Fueled by rapid growth in the Hispanic and Haitian populations. Oh, my God. The Haitians? Yaman. The Haitians are Catholic? Right. French. Catholic. Yes. No. Yes. Don't they, like, uh, hang a chicken on their door or something? Well, that's, you know, that's uh, Catholic-flavored uh, African religion. I see. The number of Catholics in South Florida grew by nearly half a million in the past decade, while the Jewish population staged a massive exodus from Dade County, putting down new roots in Broward and Palm Beach. Oi! The Catholic growth was echoed across the country and created... <laughs> this is amazing. Increasing 16.2% nationally to more than 62 million members, keeping the Catholic Church the nation's largest religious denomination. You can just imagine all those altar boys out there now. Religious conservatism also boomed, according to 2,000 religious congregations and membership, a study released yesterday that measured the change in 149 religious groups in the country from 1990 to 2000. Many of the patterns were pure demographics. South Florida's Hispanic population, much of it Catholic, grew by over 500,000, 567,000 in those 10 years. It grew by nearly 20 million in the U.S. Well, of course, those Catholics reproduce like rabbits anyway, because they want to keep the Pope happy. That's why we have all those starving people all over Latin America. But some appear to reflect changing views of theology. Church bodies with the highest national growth. Wait, wait till you hear this. Which one would you think it would be? Highest national growth? Right. Mormons. You already saw this. No. You're right. There was Church a report the, uh, like a couple, three days ago on that. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or the Mormons, 19.3% increase. The denomination called Christian Churches and Churches of Christ, 18.6%. And the Assemblies of God, 18.5%. Church I used such, to go to. Such uh, mainline Protestants as United Methodists, Episcopalians, and Presbyterians all suffered losses locally and nationally. Damn it. They're too moderate. I was astounded to see that, by and large, the growing churches are those we ordinarily call conservatives, said Ken Sanchegrin, director of the Glen Mary Research Center, which compiled the study. And when I looked at those that were declining most were moderate or liberal churches. So the religionists in America are becoming more and more fanatic. That's one of the biggest problems with the USA, more and more fanatical religionists, which we have very few of those here in Canada, eh? and certainly very few in Holland and in most of Western Europe, etc., and around uh, any civilized country. The U.S., I think, is the only westernized country that I can think of other than Ireland, where the religion, the religious fervor is still at such a, a peak, a, a fever pitch. What I'm trying to say is, doi, 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 doi. yeah, it didn't surprise it didn't surprise local ministers. The nature of worship and worship means worship 
or ascribing great worth to, calls upon us for a heart commitment uh, for life, said the Reverend Bill White of the University Baptist Church, which has outgrown its sanctuary in the Gables and plans a new one twice as big on Sunset Drive in prestigious already overcrowded Kendall. It's not just a nice idea to do in our spare time as a hobby. It's the core of who we are, is the fairy tales we believe in what he's saying. Assistant Bishop James Otley of the Episcopal Diocese of Southeast Florida saw it differently. People seem to want answers to specific problems rather than to be wrestling with ideas. They need to feel secure, he said. The Episcopalians lost 6,100 members in South Florida and over 130,000 nationally in 10 years. A major reason for the growth of Latter-day Saints is its core of proselytizing young missionaries, says Wynne Hemmert, in charge of those activities for the Mormons from Palm Beach to Key West. The Latter-day Saints will soon open new churches in Pembroke Pines and Miami Beach. Ever since we were founded back in the 1800s, we've had people out promulgating the church, inviting people to join. He said, we've got 60,000 missionaries in the world, and about 200 are here. You know something? be a good business. Showing up. The, the magic underwear business. That's See, look at thinking. this. Atheist 13, Wiccan 13, Jews 12, Agnostics 12, Catholics 7. Well, they've all turned on us anyway because they can't handle the truth, just like the right-wingers. Uh, Protestant 4, Muslim 2, born-again Christian 2, Scientologist 1, Christian 2. Uh, where the hell is all the Hindus and the Sikhs and the Mormons? Boy, every time we take this poll, we have a decreasing. See, they're increasing in numbers, but they're going away from this show. They can't well, not around it. here. They're in the Northwest. Because I make fun of their damn underwear. The missionaries, the Mormon missionaries, young men from 19 to 21. All right. Who go door to the end. They're, they're always very clean cut. They got the white shirts and the ties on, and they come out, and they come on their bicycle. Yes. And go door to door, bring helmets. 50 to 80 new members a month, he said. Another reason for Catholic growth in Dade County is its growing Haitian population. Many Haitians are Catholic. So, in other words, if the Haitian population is increasing, that's why us Jews are moving out. I mean, Dade's Jewish population continued a long trend of moving north. The population decreased by almost 80,000 in Dade, but grew by 37,000 in Broward and 55,000 in Palm Beach. Nationally, the number of Jewish adherents grew by 2.7% the decade to more than 6 million members. Oy. Only 6 million. Is that amazing? I don't in know. part, the growth of South—it's pretty tiny. In growth, of, uh, in part, the growth of South Miami Beach's trendy entertainment area priced elderly Jewish retirees out of the housing market. There, said Rabbi Nathan Rose of Temple Samuel or Olom, president of the Rabbinical Association of Greater Miami. In general, as Miami got crowded and Broward and Palm Beach opened up, a lot of people moved there. Another thing was Hurricane Andrew. Our congregation in Southwest Kendall was very badly affected by the storm. It blew off the sanctuary roof. A lot of people moved to Broward after that. So you see, it was the hurricane. It wasn't because we're running away from you spicks and Haitians and things like that. And Schwartz is. Uh, although, 926 at 560, WQM, happy Friday, too. Nice to see that the Catholics are growing in numbers because, needless to say, that gives us an opportunity to train some good young priests and, of course, to have lots and lots more altar boys. Speaking of that, yes. before I bother to fax these, you might already have these. Catholic priests arrested for allegedly fondling teenage boy from Boston.com. Yeah, I got it. Four sue former Ohio priest over alleged abuse. Yeah. You got that? I, I don't know. All right. I'll fax it anyway. Just fax whatever you got, okay? Do, 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 do. Just relax. <laughs> I mean, are we doing a new thing now where you're going to like... Uh, just, we got plenty of fax paper here. I, I just want to make sure it, you know. a whole bunch of crap came out. Well, fax me all the crap you got, okay? We got plenty of time for crap today. Hey, listen, it's a pile of crap to go running around town to get you a new mattress. If your back isn't feeling right, if you're just not feeling good every day, probably because you're not getting yourself the kind of night's sleep you ought to be getting, which has a hell of a lot to do with the way you feel. So get you a great name brand mattress, the easiest way in the universe. This is the easiest shopping you could ever do. Just one make, make one easy call to dial a mattress at 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, and dial a mattress gives you so much more than great service. I should know because I've been using them for years. 
Just call that number now, that toll-free number, gets you the ultimate freedom of choice in brand-name mattresses from Serta, Sealy, Simmons, and King Coil. No store in the universe can match their selection or certainly their everyday low prices. Not just some stupid sale once in a while with a bait-and-swish to top it all off, but exceptionally low prices on exactly the name brand mattress you're looking for. And they give you that 30-day in-home comfort guarantee, too, which lets you test out the new mattress the right way by sleeping on it up to a month. And they give you the delivery deal that's unbeatable anywhere in the world. They let you pick the day of the week, seven days a week, whichever one's convenient for you in the two-hour window when you want them to show up. They'll set up the brand-new bedding and take away the crappy old one, and you'll have a big smile on your puss. So if you want to start sleeping the way you ought to and treat your back right, call 1-800-MATTRESS right now, and they'll be there in no time at all. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on that web at mattress.com. We're Sports Radio 560, QAM. Welcome back to the glittering pageantry of the Mohawk and David Show. We have a full docket today, <laughs> including the cavalcade of articulate athlete interviews. You know that pipe smoke is still at it. What? 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 Singing those songs, making fun of me. They make fun of me all the time. I don't know why they don't adore me. Yeah, dear, everything will be all right, Mo. Get your hands off me, you fairy. You queer, you tube jumper. Real men don't touch, only during the game. Yes, master. They want singing. I'll give them singing. Get on a piano. Over there. Okay, Mo. Now, hit it. Back in my day, men were straight. Being gay is hip today. That's why I can't tolerate his gunsling gay. Sportholes were in gay back then. Stop it, you moron! What's the matter, Mo? My wig fell off again. Okay. All right, where were we? Sportholes were in gay back then. Uh, I'll take it from here. The guys that like to worship men. Good thing we won't see pulling or wailing and bad again. Didn't need to soothe prostate. Or to tickle hairy taint. Jesus Christ, I really hate. Jizz guzzling gang. All right. 933 at 560, WQM. So exactly what is a Wiccan? They worship uh, nature, personified by the goddess and the great god, the great goddess. Uh, the Druidic religion, pre-Christian Druidic religion of, of the Gauls and England and uh, Iberia, etc. That sure Gauls me, I'll tell you that. It's enough to make me say, <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> Miriam Elephant accepts Robert offer to help run the election. Nice going, Miriam. You're out, by the way, sweetheart, when it's all over, and so is David Leahy. You're both out. You're both out. Broward County Supervisor of Elections Miriam Oliphant reversed herself yesterday, signing an agreement that would allow 800 county workers to help operate the polling places in the November 5 election. Oliphant earlier had balked at an agreement, rejecting a demand from County Commission Chairwoman Lori Parrish that the county supervise the polling places. In the new agreement, the county gave up that demand. The county did agree to provide approximately 800 employees who would be responsible for opening and closing the polling places on time and sending the results to the downtown computers for counting. And I'm, I'm assuming that most of these people will be under the age of 100? No. Speaking of elections, by the way, well, wait till I get to that story in a second here. 
from, uh, what's her name, Lynn Landy's Environmental News and Views about elections, you're going to crap your pants. Anyway, getting back to this one, the employees would be trained at county expense to operate the new touchscreen voting machines and paid at their regular county salaries. This will cost thousands, not millions. The cost is worth it to ensure we'll have a good election, said Commissioner Ben Graber, who helped negotiate the agreement along with Commissioner Joseph Egel, uh, whatever, what kind of a name is that? Egelaton, Egela, whatever, Eagle. E-G-G-E-L-L-E-T-I-O-N? What the hell kind of a name is that? Elegante. Yeah, right. Very, muy elegante. The agreement is an attempt to head off another election day disaster like the one in the September 10th primary when many Broward polling places opened hours late. Others didn't properly count their votes. Broward! Elephant made her declaration during an 11.30 a.m. press conference yesterday when she also accepted responsibility with what went wrong during the September 10th primary. It's time to make things right, she said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, Miriam. You're out, sweetheart. Under the agreement, Elephant will remain election supervisor with the county helping run the general election. Elephant had rejected the idea Wednesday, but agreed to let the county run the election after heavy pressure from state and local officials, including Governor Jeb Bush. Broward has nearly a million registered voters, the most of any Florida county. This agreement is an oversight to make sure that the polls will open on time and that the training of our poll workers is done in a professional manner, Elephant said in a news conference. But most of all, this is an agreement with the Broward County Commission to say that November 5 will be a successful election. Dayton Broward County's had problems, as you know, taking votes in the September 10th primary, which officials blamed on a lack of county poll worker training, failure to practice using new voter systems, and poor organization. Elephant's decision comes today after Governor Jeb Bush and Secretary of State Jim Smith asked the U.S. Justice Department for help in the November election. We need some help. In a letter to General John Ascroft, Smith said problems in Dayton Broward rattled confidence in the state's efforts to reform its election system. Meanwhile, civil rights activists in Miami said yesterday that minority voters bore the brunt of the election's foul-ups. Members of the ACLU, the NAACP, and other groups said they collected thousands of affidavits from frustrated voters to give Smith along with suggestions to prevent problems in the general election. Smith said yesterday he had absolutely no evidence whatsoever that any civil rights violations or anything of that nature during the primary, when some polling places didn't open up on time, others closed early, and some votes were not counted in the original tally. He said the Justice Department has broad purposes and lots of options and responded to the state's request for help. Well, they're reaching out. They're reaching out and grabbing you, okay? Robert Shear writes, one of our favorite writers, Iraq the Phantom Menace. He says, now we know just how vicious Saddam Hussein can be, agreeing to unconditional U.N. inspections at a time, and of course this is before he changed his mind, agreeing to unconditional U.N. inspections at a time when our president had his heart set on war is just the sort of mean-spirited treachery that one can expect from this modern-day Hitler. The only greater betrayal will be if it turns out upon inspection that Iraq is not still building weapons of mass destruction and has no, no nuclear capability after all. What if Scott Ritter, a one-time U.N. weapons inspector and former U.S. Marine who recently visited Baghdad, is right in arguing that Saddam's arsenal is a pale shadow of its former self? The creation of that original arsenal of chemical and biological weapons was greatly facilitated by U.S. company sales of hardware to Iraq, sales that were approved during the 1980s when the administrations of Ronald Reagan and George Herbert Walker Bush both sided with Iraq in its war with Iran. These weapons, however, were largely eliminated by previous inspections. What material remains, Ritter has argued, has deteriorated to the point of uselessness. As for nuclear weapons, Iraq's program lags far behind that of other unstable extremist nations, including Iran, North Korea, and Pakistan. Yet we've lifted sanctions against Pakistan intended to end its nuclear program, are building a nuclear plant for power generation in North Korea, and have chosen to ignore Iran's well-documented nuclear weapons program. And if concern over Iraq's nuclear program was truly the issue, we could destroy any suspicious installations from the air, as the Israelis did two decades ago in demolishing Iraq's French-built nuclear reactor. 
Still, we must go to war. Our voters might start focusing on the dismal state of the economy under George W.'s stewardship and return to Democratic Congress in the November elections, right? Fortunately for Bush, arguments over Iraq now dominate water cooler talk rather than group commiseration over the incredible shrinking 401Ks, but that can change. What if people start asking about that miraculous tax cut that Bush made the centerpiece of his domestic program and that now has how it's left the national accounts once again floating in red ink? The failure of inspectors to find weapons of mass destruction would make it appear that Bush has been using Iraq as a scapegoat for his own domestic problems. Not to worry, though, if the inspectors fail to find weapons of mass destruction, the Bush administration is still prepared to make the case for what it calls regime change, a fine Orwellian phrase that certainly sounds more sanitary than the old-fashioned word war, with all its nasty implications for death and madness. The trick is to make the lack of evidence of such weapons more convincing of their existence than real evidence would be. That extremely convenient cop-out was the most absurdly expressed by Defense Secretary Rumsfeld, who has declared that the absence of evidence of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq should not be considered the absence of evidence. But the guilty, no matter what doctrine, will ultimately not go down easily with the American public, and certainly not worldwide. That's why the President has had to go to the U.N. and attempt to make the case that Iraq had threatening weapons. That tactic has now backfired. It would be a global embarrassment if Bush at this point turned down Saddam Hussein's offer of unconditional inspections. But it would also be devastating if inspectors went there and found only U.S. ordinance given to Iraq by Bush's father and Reagan. It was embarrassing enough for the younger Bush in his speech to the U.N. to be reduced to trotting out examples of Iraq war crimes from the days when Saddam was a de facto ally of the U.S. It's so inconvenient that Iraq did not appear to use any chemical or biological weapons during the Gulf War or in the decades since, but definitely did back when Saddam was our partner in the war against Iran's Islamic Revolution. Worse, U.S. companies, with the permission of the Reagan elder Bush administrations, supplied Saddam with the ingredients for making such savage weapons. The CIA reported that Iraq was using mustard gas against Iran as early as 1983 and nerve gas against Iranian troops a year later, yet the Reagan administration removed Iraq from its list of terrorist nations and approved the sale of 60 Hughes helicopters later used to spray lethal chemicals on civilians. The U.S. gave this man, what we now call, who we now casually call Hitler, $1.5 billion in weapons and technology in the five years before the Gulf War. Bush has fallen into a trap of his own design by going to the U.N. seeking approval. If the inspectors who now go to Iraq find new weaponry, it can easily be destroyed, but that would cheat Bush of an excuse for the war he desperately wants, writes Robert Shear. They want it, baby. They want it, and they're going to get it. Just like winning the election, they're going to get it by hook or by crook. And the masses out there are saying, oh, yeah, let's go get him. Let's get him. 941 at 560 WQM with your busy lifestyle. You need all the energy you can to feel healthy, especially with the wind and the rain in your hair, whatever that means. Oleomed is one way to stay healthy because it's a good product. It contains pharmaceutical-grade olive oil along with vitamins and minerals and herbals to promote good health for all different parts of your body. They have one specifically designed for your heart, one for your blood pressure, cholesterol, and prostate, and it's easy to take Oleomed. It comes in a soft-shell capsule that you just pop in your mouth. Oleomed's also got supplements to promote health in your circulatory system, your digestive endocrine system, your skin, your bones, even your mind, all using the benefits of the finest olive oil, the purest olive oil that money can buy. And Oleomed makes these outstanding products for men and women as well. If you want to pick some up, you can do it all over town at Whole Food Markets, Walgreens, Sedano's, and Navarro Pharmacy, or you can call their toll-free number and they'll tell you all about how this product works and what it can do for you. Call 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-O-L-E-O-M-E-D, and you can order their products on their website, too, at oleomedamerica.com. Friday, you bastard. The material you're about to hear has been adolescently subjected to a moronic series of edits and changes with no endorsement or authorization by those depicted therein. We apologize. However, stand by our mission to make everything that is good and decent look as ridiculous as possible. Tampax, offering superior protection versus the leading competitor. It retains better, so it leaks less. Wow, it does leak less. 
Less than a busted truck radiator. My new dress is ruined. No wonder more women choose it. Leaks less than the Titanic. Shut up! The one, the only, 10 packs. 945 at 560 WQAM. Let's see, we got uh, 26 agnostics, 24 atheists, 18 Jews, 17 Wiccans. You believe that? 16 Catholics, 7 Protestants, and the down list. You believe that? Uh, I think maybe 10 of them are fake. Wiccans? Yeah. Do we have any uh, Mormons yet? Now, look at that Mormon list. Oh. None. Well, that's because they're busy on their bicycles going right. out there to convert people. Uh, they don't have time to be voting. Laptops on their uh, handlebars. They're out there buying some uh, new magic underwear for the holidays, whatever yeah. holidays they might be. So anyway, you faxed me all this stuff about Wiccans. and uh, Just that one piece. I, yeah. I try to find something brief and concise. It's the original pagan. When the Christians refer to the pagans, that's who they're talking about. So we got a bunch of Wiccans running around on the loose? Wicked. I thought we had enough other Goyim running around out there. Now we got Wiccans to deal with, too. Well, that's good. I'm glad you faxed me that, but there it goes. Anyway, Lynn Landis writes. Now, who the hell is Lynn Landis? She's a freelance journalist specializing in environmental issues. She's been a radio show host and a regular commentary for a BBC radio program. She writes a weekly column, which is published on her website, www.echotalk.org, and reports environmental news for DUTV in Philadelphia. Environmental news and views. Elections in America assume crooks are in control, she says. She says, don't blame the poll workers in Florida. The facts supported by voting machine experts and numerous newspaper articles have made it clear computerized voting machines that were certified by the state of Florida caused most of the problems in Florida's primary election. In the absence of paper ballots, the damage is now irreversible. This was no accident. It's not new, and Florida's not alone. The concept is clear, simple, and it works. Computerized voting gives the power of selection without fear of discovery to whomever controls the computer wrote the authors of Vote Scam, 1992, James and Kenneth Collier, both now deceased. It's a must-read book about how elections have been electronically and mechanically rigged in the U.S. for decades, and with the knowing and sometimes unknowing support of media giants and government officials, including, ironically, Janet Reno. That is ironic, ain't it? Yeah. Only a few companies dominate the market for computer voting machines. Alarmingly, under U.S. federal law, no background checks are required on these companies or their employees. Felons and foreigners can and do own computer voting machine companies. Voting machine companies demand that clients sign proprietary contracts to protect their trade secrets, which prohibits a thorough inspection of voting machines by outsiders. And unbelievably, it appears that most election officials don't require paper ballots to back up or audit electronic election results. So far, lawsuits to allow complete access to inspect voting machines or to require paper ballots so that recounts are possible have failed. As far as we know, some guy from Russia could be controlling the outcome of computerized elections in the U.S. In fact, Vicant Corporation, a Chicago-area company owned by Alex Kantarovic, formerly of Minsk, Belarusia, supplies the all-important control cards to election systems and software, ES&S, the world's largest election management company, writes reporter Christopher Bolin. According to ES&S, they've handled more than 40,000 of the world's most important events and elections. ES&S systems have counted approximately 60% of the U.S. national vote for the past four presidential elections. In the U.S. 2000 general election, ES&S systems counted over 100 million ballots. Getting back to Kantarovich, he would not disclose where the control cards are made, except they aren't made in the U.S., writes Bolin, nor would he discuss his previous employment. Bolin says he got some not-too-thinly-veiled threats from Kantarovich. Kantarovich sounds more like the Russian mafia than a, legit, a legitimate businessman. But the really big deal is this. All of ES&S's touchscreen machines contain modems, allowing them to communicate and be communicated with while they're in operation, reports Bolin. That communication capability includes satellites. Even computers are not connected to modems or an electronic network, still can be manipulated off-site. Let me say it again. Even computers not connected to modems or an electronic network can still be manipulated off-site, not during the election, but certainly before or after, says voting systems expert Dr. Rebecca Mercury. 
ESNS supplied the touchscreens for Dayton Broward counties where the worst machine failures occurred, but the debacle was nothing new for ESNS. Associated Press reporter Jessica Fargan wrote in June of 2000, Venezuela's president and the head of the nation's election board accused ESNS of trying to destabilize the country's electoral process. In the U.S., four states have reported problems with equipment supplied by the company. Faulty ESNS machines used in Hawaii's 98 elections forced that state's first ever recount. Sequoia is another voting systems company that sends out a cold chill down my spine, she writes. Mob ties, bribery, felony convictions, and threats of coercion are visible in the public record of the election services company, according to investigative journalist and filmmaker Daniel Hopsicker, and reported in Spotlight.com. Hopsicker says that Pasquale Rocco Ricci, a 65-year-old senior executive with Sequoia, and the firm's Louisiana representative recently pled guilty to passing out as much as $10 million in bribes over the course of almost an entire decade. According to America Law and Education Rights and Taxation Alert, Ricci is the president of Sequoia International, which also manufactures casino slot machines. That didn't say Spotlight.com, did it? Huh? That's just great, it says. Now we could possibly have both the Russian mafia and the U.S. mafia involved in our elections. In May 2002, Sequoia was brought, bought out by De La Rue, based in England. By their own estimate, De La Rue is the world's largest commercial security printer and papermaker involved in the production of over 150 national currencies and a wide range of security documents such as traveler's checks and vouchers, employing almost 7,000 people across 31 countries. De La Rue is also a leading provider of cash handling equipment and software solutions to banks and retailers worldwide, and they develop technology for secure passports, identity cards, and driver's licenses. Okay, add Dr. Evil to the mix and may be on the lookout for international money launderers, drug kingpins, and Nazis. Show Up Voting Solutions of Quakerstown, Pennsylvania, has a reputation for rigging elections, wrote the late co-author of Vote Scam, Jim Collier. According to Collier, in 1979, Ransom Shoup II, the president of the firm, was convicted of conspiracy and obstruction of justice stemming from an FBI investigation of a vote-fixing scam involving the old-fashioned le uh, lever machines in Philadelphia. Lever or lever? Lever. What about soap? Lever alone. These reports are just the tip of the iceberg. The numerous instances of U.S. voting systems error and fraud are documented in a 1988 report by the U.S. Commerce Department entitled Accuracy, Integrity, and Security in Computerized Vote Telling by Roy G. Saltman, a computer consultant for the National Institute of Standards and Technologies Computer Systems Lab. Many other experts and observers have been warning and complaining about these abuse problems for decades. But complaints, warnings, reports, and books like Vote Scam haven't deterred government officials like Pinellas County Commissioners Calvin Harris and County Judge Patrick Cadell. They told the St. Pete Times October 2001 that they were aware that all the voting machine companies had problems in their past. But Harris said, we have to look at this objectively and not get tied up in the emotions of some guy might be a crook. Dear Commissioner Harris, when it comes to elections in America, assume crooks are in control and then act accordingly. Writes Lynn Landis. How do you like them apples, huh? But it's America. We can't have fixed elections in America, can we? God forbid, especially in Florida. We don't have, that's one thing we don't have to worry about. <laughs> so bug off, Lynn, and go see your friends at Spotlight. That can't be Spotlight Magazine, can it, that website? I don't know that one. You don't know Spotlight? Nope. That right-wing, anti-Semitic bunch of maniacs? Well, uh, I'll, I'll check it out later after the show at Spotlight.com. I... Because when I got that, I got like a lump in my uh, throat. Tyco executives out on bail for now. You know that scumbag we were talking about yesterday, El Dennis Kozlowski? Yes, Charged with looting $600 million from Tyco International Inc. when he was the conglomerate's chairman. Avoided jail yesterday after his uh, ex-wife agreed to post $10 million in bail on his behalf. But lead prosecutor John Moscow said the Manhattan District Attorney's Office would have to determine whether the money was gained as part of the fraud Kozlowski was charged with last week, which led prosecutors to freeze his assets. Maybe that's what they did to Ted Williams. Maybe they froze his assets. 
We need to speak to witnesses before making a determination as to whether we'll accept the funds, Moscow said at the hearing. Former Tyco Chief Financial Officer Mark Swartz, who was also named in the indictment, posted his $5 million bail in the form of 500,000 shares of Tyco stock, or about $7.65 million at yesterday's closing stock price of $15.29. Manhattan Supreme Court Judge Michael Obis set a hearing date for next Friday to hear arguments from prosecutors about whether either funds are tainted. If the bail is not accepted by the judge next week, Kozlowski and Swartz will face jail time in Rikers Island, one of the nation's toughest prisons, which is where they sent Al Goldstein, and he probably left them something behind. Kozlowski attorney Stephen Kaufman said his client's former wife, Angie, agreed to post $10 million cash in a statement from a brokerage firm backing up the source of the money. She is just supporting her ex-husband, he said. Kaufman said she wasn't sure whether the money came from assets that might be part of the indictment. At last week's arraignment, the judge released Conor Kozlowski a $100 million personal recognizance bond that was to be secured by $10 million in personal assets. Swartz was released on a $50 million bond to be secured by the $5 million, which he put up more than that yesterday. Bail is used to ensure a defendant appears in court. The terms are set at a judge's discretion. Some lawyers have asked whether Kozlowski was given favorable treatment by being granted more time to come up with the funds because of his prominence. It raises questions as to whether John Q. Public would have been given the same type of treatment, said Eugene O'Donnell, professor of law and police studies at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice in New York, who served as a prosecutor in the boroughs of Queens and Brooklyn. The judge's decision is typical for white-collar cases, said John Cayley, criminal defense attorney and former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. So for the moment, they're walking free, but next Friday, a week from today, it could be right to Rikers Island. Wouldn't that be great? Wonderful. Maybe they'll, you know who they might wind up being in there with? Do, 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 do. Somebody we know. Anyway, here's our semi-annual religion poll. Which are you? Which of these are you? Atheist 31, Agnostic 29, Wiccan 22. See, that's... You expect me to believe that? That's a artificially inflated, no question. I see. Jewish, 21. Oi! Catholic, 18. Protestant, 9. Born-again Christian, 3. Buddhist, 3. Muslim, 3. Christian scientist, 1. We got a Mormon. Let's hear it. Oh! We got a freaking Mormon out there. Happy Friday to you, and don't mess with your uh, magic underwear. Jehovah's Witness, 1. Scientologist, 1. And no Hindus or six. Captain or, Singh better uh, get to the computer. Yeah, get with it, Captain Singh. Well, they probably got him tied up somewhere. They probably got him in a lockbox. 9.56 at 5.60 WQM. I'll tell you one guy they can't lock up, and that's my good friend Tom Lehman. He's uh, too cagey and too crafty for that. Tom Lehman and Hallett Pontiac GMC are doing it again for you. Zero percent financing is continuing right now as I speak. That's correct. You heard me right. With approved credit from GMAC, you can get zero percent financing up to 36 months on all brand-new 2003 Pontiac and GMC beauties in stock. Or take you a rebate up to $4,000 on all 2002 Pontiacs or GMC models in stock. Check out the complete line of GMC SUVs while you're at Hallett, including that Envoy, voted by Motor Trend as the SUV of the year and the all-new Pontiac Vibe SUV that's got the power of a fancy-schmancy sports car, like Corvettes, for example, which I drive, but they don't sell at Hallett Pontiac. Hallett's also got a great selection of dependable pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs, and if anybody else turns you down for credit, if you can't cut a deal at any other car dealer anywhere in the universe, this is the place to get one because they'll work it out for you at Hallett. So if you want a sensational, unbeatable deal on Pontiacs and GMCs, this is the place. Go see my good friend Tom Lehman and all the nice folks at Hallett Pontiac GMC, 13401 South Dixie Highway. That's US-1 right across from the falls, open every day, seven days a week. Hallett Pontiac GMC, we are professional grade. Live, live and local, we are Sports Radio 560 QAM. No fact in, in the church. One altar boy, one boy to talk with 
little rope with ends not caught with. One boy on a date with his priest. One boy, a young altar boy. One boy to grab in the back and smoke crack with. One boy, or maybe two or three. One boy to find out what religion is all about. God will bless those who drain my pulsating. Holy tube, one boy, one special boy, one boy to pray with, to play with, get laid with, one boy, maybe two or three, in my erectory. Rectum. Good bless you, be child. <clears throat> 101 at 560 WQM. Happy Friday. We got Jim Mandis coming up at 1 o'clock. We got Hank at 3. What do we got on the agenda today? What's well, right? It's Friday. We got the Dave Wanster. Look at that. How is that possible? Are you looking at the schedule? I am now. A full four hours for the Humper today? That is, <laughs> that is almost unprecedented. Three to seven, Hank, uh, with Dave Wanstead. Of course, the coaching show, five to six, is part of the show. Marlins on deck at 7.05. That's because the game uh, doesn't start till 7.35. The Marlins at the Braves. And then AK after baseball and ESPN radio, such as it is, and we apologize in advance for it overnight. Well, I guess after playing that, I should at least toss in a couple of uh, pre-stories since oh, I've got please, about 400 I thought that's here. what you were uh, gearing up for. No, I was not. I was gearing up for that story about Noel Bush from Salon.com that you just faxed me. And also the most important story of the day about Tom Welling beyond on Regis and Kelly. Kelly Ripa. Monday at 9 a.m., Tom Welling will be interviewed on Regis and Kelly. And, of course, it's only a coincidence that it's going to be the day before the uh, debut of the new season for Smallville. That's just a coincidence, isn't right. it? They don't time these things on purpose. Right. That's the big story, Tom Welling. Now, 9 o'clock Monday morning, before the show, don't forget to get me to uh, start the recorder in there. Night. Huh? Well, he might be on there naked or something. He might, might show us be. his feet. He might show off his big feet. Suit alleges priest molested boy at North Miami Nursing Home. A lawsuit alleging sexual abuse of a nine-year-old boy at a Miami-Dade nursing home in 1999 was filed against a former Catholic priest in the Archdiocese of Monday of uh, Miami on Thursday. On Monday, on Thursday, yesterday. The suit filed by the Hollywood law firm of Hurton and Marmelstein seeks an unspecified damage. It alleges the unidentified boy was molested during visits to the Archdiocese-owned Villa Maria Nursing and Rehab Center in the 1000 block of Northeast 125th Street, North Miami, about three years ago. The boy was visiting a sick grandmother at the nursing home on a regular basis three to four times a week when he was befriended by the priest, Reverend Trevor Smith, who was then living at the center, the suit alleges. The suit also charges the priest involved the boy and invited him into his private room and showed him pictures of nude children, told the boy he wanted to measure his penis, and then fondled the child. Father Smith resigned from the priesthood in May. He just wanted to measure it, see if the boy measured up. A former Roman Catholic priest who was defrocked over claims of sexual abuse and later worked as an elementary school counselor has pleaded innocent to a federal charge of possessing kitty porn. James Bine, 61, entered the plea in federal court in St. Louis this week. He faces a similar charge in U.S. District Court in East St. Louis and is also charged in St. Louis Circuit Court with exposing himself to three boys while working as an elementary school counselor. 
A hearing in the St. Louis federal case was scheduled for today on a prosecution request to hold Vine without bail pending trial. No trial date's been set. Authorities allege he had thousands of pornographic images of children on computer disks. Vine was dismissed from the Roman Catholic priesthood in 19... 19- the St. Louis Archdiocese paid $100,000 in mid-90s to settle two lawsuits accusing Bean of sexually abusing boys more than 30 years ago. For more than a decade, he was counselor at St. Louis Elementary Schools where he used the name Mar James. He resigned shortly before the state charges were issued in March. Mar James, what, what does that mean? I don't know. Marjorie? Mar James. Man slices off body parts, speaking of how long is your penis. I love this story. An Australian man cut off the little finger on his right hand, then his scrotum, then his penis, and finally his left hand in a drug-induced act of self-mutilation after arguing with his wife. The man, believed to be high on amphetamines, attacked himself with a carving knife Tuesday in the town of Inverell, 400 miles north of Sydney, police said yesterday. It's the most bizarre thing I've seen in 16 years in the police force, Inverell Inspector Dave Harrington told Reuters. Harrington said the 38-year-old man cut off his little finger while arguing with his wife inside their Inverell house and then chased her outside. He then proceeded to dismember his member, he said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, would you rather dismember your member or remember your member? Yeah. Police said the man was lucky ambulance officers witnessed the attack and prevented him from bleeding to death, adding that police recovered several body parts and packed them on ice and hope they can be reattached. Well, if they can't reattach them to him, maybe they can save them for Ted Williams. <laughs> he'll, he'll need some of those body parts when he get comes back. Extra. I mean, just his head alone ain't going to do it. One thing about Ted Williams, he always had a real good head on his... The man was flown to Sydney for emergency microsurgery and was now in stable condition, police said. Well, that's good. Good to hear he's okay. Maybe that's something that the Germans ought to be thinking about doing based on this other story. I know. Germans mulling joining the army may think twice now thanks to a new regulation banning soldiers from having sex while in active service. The defense ministry said uh, this week that it's issued a decree stating that sleeping with fellow soldiers of either sex or indeed their partners would be bad for morale, threatening mutual trust and soldiers' willingness to help each other. The Army originally laid out a series of proposals on how to behave with female colleagues when women were first allowed into active Army service at the beginning of 2001. Now they have set them in stone. You will do it this way. Women soldiers will also have to take down their favorite pinups, as one clause says, expressly formulated to include both men and women, prohibits them from hanging up pornographic images that might offend them. Only women soldiers. I guess guys I can put up, you know, naked uh, big boobs and stuff like that. Well, that's good. The FBI was tipped off about the budding al-Qaeda cell outside Buffalo by an anonymous letter while its aid alleged members were in a terrorism boot camp in Afghanistan, the New York Daily News says today. Maybe uh, Sally Jesse hooked him up with that boot camp. The letter was signed by a concerned Yemenite, and a source familiar with its contents described it as the roadmap that led to their arrest on the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Six of the alleged cell members are in custody, charged with providing material support to Osama, Yamama bin Laden, and his terror network. A bail hearing continues in its third day today, and the judges reserve Monday for a decision. Two other cell members, including the alleged ringleader, remain fugitives and are believed to be in Yemen. Yaman. When the arrests were announced last week, law enforcement officials repeatedly thanked local Muslim community for its cooperation with the 15-month investigation of the Lackawanna cell. Ever been to Lackawanna, New York? No. Don't. Okay. A source familiar. Now, Chictawaga, there used to be a really great Polynesian restaurant there. We used to, when I worked in Batavia, I had a friend. We used to go there all the time to the um, Polynesian restaurant. It was called either. Now, the Chintiki is not it. That was in Detroit on Cass and Bagley. It was called either the Mona Kai or the Mona Loa, one of those two. And it was great. Remember what? Yeah, you don't remember that. Remember what? Tra- that's before your time when Polynesian food used to be really, really big. Trader Vic's. You got that. And Mona Kai. And Mona- oh, God, was that good stuff. I mean, very fattening. It'll kill you. And I ate enough of it to sink a battleship. But, boy, that was good stuff. Every poi 
I beg your pardon? <laughs> Have you ever eaten poi? No. All right. I, not that I know of. I hear it mentioned all the time. I have no idea what it is, what it tastes I thought, like. I think that's some kind of a fish, isn't it? I thought like it was a, like a root mash or something. I don't know. A root mash? Do the, Wiccan, do the Wiccans eat it? I'll, I'll ask them. A source familiar with the matter said it began with an anonymous letter which arrived at the Buffalo FBI offices in June 2001 and named nearly all those who were arrested and singled out a 29-year-old U.S. Yemeni named Kamal Dirwish as the group's ringleader, the source said. It described Dirwish as a forceful leader actively recruiting young men in Lackawanna's Yemeni neighborhood to travel overseas and learn about jihad. The letter which arrived months before... I, I, you know, I can't stop thinking about that Chris, Chris Matthews interview with Jesse Ventura on Wednesday night at the University of Minnesota. Yeah. And when he was recounting, you know, going back into his controversial past and brought up the Playboy interview, and they had the direct quote what he said about religion being, you know, a bunch of crap for people with weak minds. And, and he, he, like, was giving him the opportunity. He said, well, aren't you sorry that you said that? And he said, why should I be sorry? And Chris Matthews looked like uh, he didn't know whether to scream or eat 14 bananas. Really? Why should I be sorry? He said, all the stuff that's going on in the world, he says, including this, uh, these grotesque attacks and all this insanity that's going on right now, it's all because of religious fanaticism. And Chris Matthews took this long, like, uh, gasp almost, like you just did, and looked at him, oh, you think that's what it really is? Duh! Jesus, we ought to have Chris Matthews come to Florida. Yeah, he can count, he can count the goddamn votes. Yeah. Gosh. Does, does he really think that's what it was all about? No, it's because there's so much poverty. Like Jean Chrétien says, our frog prime minister up here. He's a real butt plug. I'm sure that uh, bin Laden uh, does all of those things because he's so poor. You know, he only inherited millions from his Saudi uh, bin Laden family, from his very wealthy family. Right. And, of course, we know all the millions and millions. I mean, they, they became very uh, successful capitalists. They, they learned how to open up those tax-free loopholes in the American system real easy with all their donations to these uh, sham charities that they set up, these right. so-called religious institutions, mm -hmm. and then, of course, all over the world with their gold, and their millions and millions, countless millions, and here we put this freeze, we put a freeze on this account, and all over the world, and didn't even put a dent in what they got, is what we're hearing. Didn't even put a dent in it. How do you like that? But nevertheless, let's see how our religion poll is coming along. 39 agnostics and 37 atheists. I like that. Oh! People with a brain. People with enough intelligence to see through all this God horse crap. At least the atheists, anyway. See, George is like still waffling on the fence because he just, uh, you know, leaving the door open. Just keep in going case. over it. You keep changing the definition. But what does that mean? Of agnostic. And what is the definition? No one knows. Agnostics admit it. You can't Nobody prove knows a point. the trouble I see. Nobody can prove the absence or the presence. So therefore, you avoid the argument. I see. In other words, in other words, it's uh, kind of like a, it's like a Chris Matthews position, spineless. Oh. As opposed to saying how ludicrous and ridiculous that whole it concept of an old man with a white beard it. sitting up there watching over everybody. He's listening to six billion people at the same time. Right. And, of course, this discovery by the Italian astronomers that I talked about uh -oh. yesterday, when they found water on these distant planets, that's going to throw a monkey wrench. I'll leave it to the Italians, man. They're always screwing up everything. They're always contrary. Just like that freaking Christopher Columbus, that Jewish Italian. Always got to mess things up find out that there's life in the other part of the universe. I mean, what would be the point if there was a creator of all of this stuff? What would be the point? Of, just just for our amusement? For just his, like he created all amusement. the animals for our amusement, too? Right. And, of course, once he got pissed off at man, he got pissed off at the animals, too, because once we had the flood in all the plagues, he had to kill the animals, too, because he's, he's a temperamental son of a bitch, that guy. Temperamental as hell. Oh, God. Right. It, it's just, it's it's such nonsensical fairy tales. It, it's ludicrous. It's It's pathetic. 
And this, this arrogance of man, and of course men wrote all of these different books, uh, you know, depending on which uh, tribe they were involved in, they wrote all of this gobbledygook, and theirs was always the correct one, you understand. Their fairy tales were the right ones, and anybody who didn't believe it, it was either going to burn in hell or should be exterminated or both. Right, just like that. But of course, dogs don't go to heaven, and other living and the breathing creatures, they don't go to heaven because they don't have a soul. God, if I had rubber sold by the Beatles, I'd play it right now. Hey, in some religions they do. Voodoo. The animals. Voodoo. Wicca. Doi, 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 doi. Yeah, and that one. And I think Wicca, too. Now, what does Wicca believe? They have souls. Everything has a soul. Everything that is alive has a soul. And I got my great shoes from New Balance. I got a nifty soul. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Calling regarding Neil Rogers to add in the uh, Sun Sentinel today. I find it highly insulting as a Catholic that you people could even put such an advertisement in the paper. How dare you all be so insulting to us? It's the Christmas season, and you represent him as the Pope. You think we're so stupid? It was hateful, and it shouldn't have been done. I wonder if this was something to do with his Judaism, whether we could say, well, it's anti-Semitic, it's racism, so it shouldn't be done. But the Catholics can be kicked around like this. Bill Rogers is an insult. How dare you people do this? You should take out an apology the same size of that ad in the newspaper to all of us. I will not give it to you. No, I won't. 1017, see, that's one thing religion does better than anything else besides raise tax-free money. And that is uh, give people an excuse to hate each other and to right. condemn each other and to point fingers at you and to wave that finger and wag that finger. You're going to burn in hell and all this other crap. When somebody starts giving you that you're going to burn in hell, you should, like, run for the hills because you know that they're, number one, idiotic, and, number two, dangerous. Kind of like the president, dumb and dangerous, the double D. Forty-seven agnostics and 40 atheists listening to this uh, great show, and, and I have a feeling that some of those may have, like, turned a little bit. See, the agnostics are good because at least they're, like, moving in the right direction, like George. He's moving in the right Please. direction, and eventually he'll evolve into a real thinking human being. You're you're wrong. <laughs> like I, I said, the same thing you do. It's just like a, I said. There's no hope for George. You Follow invite whatever you want. Okay, it's more palatable to say agnostic. You're inviting it's, it's an the argument. Easy it's not, it's, not, it's, it's not as inflammatory as saying atheist, because you know people think of atheists, they think of Madeleine O'Hare and hard-bitten, uh, miserable, right. hard-ass people like that. But see, you're doing the same thing that they're they're doing. And Can I get to this article? I don't want to debate religion with you because it's not it's pointless. Okay, it's all a bunch of crap. We all we both know that. All a bunch of crap. Let's move along. Speaking of crap about the Noel Bush. She knows her crap. Michelle Goldberg writes on Salon.com today for Noel Bush, a different kind. All I can say about what you just said is, do, 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 do. and that's it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You're going to slay me. i got to play that one bit again, you know, the one I started with today. That's just, it's just, uh, that, that could be the all-time award winner, you know. Anybody tuned in late, boy, you should be real sorry, but I'll let you off the hook this one time only. Unlike Tessio and the Godfather, I'll let you off the hook this please, one please time. Please promo it. There are people inside the building that... Uh... Oh, that's the wrong one. Sorry. Oh, I haven't played that yet. Do, 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 do. And that's why I think the Jets will have a championship season. Okay, that's coming up right after the uh, next break. Bottom of the hour. For Noel Bush, a different kind of justice. I will get to this eventually if uh, George stops interrupting me with his Wiccan beliefs. By Michelle Goldberg. It's no secret that rich and poor drug offenders face vastly different kinds of justice. Just as moneyed criminals get Johnny Cochran while the indigent make do with underpaid public defenders, so our well-heeled substance abusers more likely to end up in posh rehab clinics than the prisons where poor addicts are warehoused. Sure, there are exceptions. Actor Robert Downey Jr. and baseball star Daryl Strawberry spring to mind, but they're not the norm. 
The normal looks more like Noel Bush, who, despite several drug violations, has so far served only three days in jail. As most of the country knows by now, the daughter of Florida Governor Jeb Bush and niece of President George W. was found with crack inside her shoe in the Center for Drug-Free Living in Orlando, where she was sent in January after, after being arrested for trying to buy Xanax with a forged prescription. It wasn't the first time she's been busted while in rehab. Her three-day jail term in July came after she was caught with a bag of prescription pills that didn't belong to her. Drug reform advocates certainly don't claim that Noelle Bush was being treated too leniently. Even three days in jail is too harsh, they argue. But they say the punishment is even more severe for people without her money or connections. The question is whether she's being treated in a unique way, says Bruce Bullington, the editor of the Journal of Drug Issues and an associate professor of criminology at FSU in Tallahassee. I think she is, he says. Her fellow patients seem to agree. As the Orlando Sentinel reports, Noelle Bush was reported to the police by a woman who said she was a Center for Drug-Free Living client, incensed by what she felt was the preferential treatment given to the governor's daughter. One of the women here was caught buying crack cocaine tonight, the caller said in her September 9th conversation with a 9-11 dispatcher, and a lot of the women are upset because she's been caught about five times, and we want something done because our children are here, and they just keep letting it slip out of the counter and carpet. They said, you know, because it's basically Noelle Bush, she does this all the time, and she gets out of it because she's the governor's daughter. According to the New York Daily News, one Center for Drug-Free Living staffer heeded a supervisor's advice and tore up her written statement about finding the drugs rather than show it to the police. Without the statement, the police didn't have a probable cause to arrest Bush. Four employees have been subpoenaed after refusing to cooperate with police, citing the center's privacy, uh, center's privacy policies. Bullington says the employees would be in the right if they provided the same measure of protection to all their clients. Whenever they do, it's hard for outsiders to determine, he says, because individual cl clinics have a tremendous amount of latitude in creating their policies. If this is something they do for all their guests, then it's perfect, Bullington says. The vast majority of people who go into treatment fail very quickly and fail multiple times. But the system isn't designed with that in mind, he says. Anyone else who was found with rock of co uh, cocaine, they would turn it over to the police and the courts would say there's no second chances or one second chance. Drug reform advocates are trying hard to create a greater separation between treatment and the criminal justice system so the police don't get involved in the lapses that most recovering addicts experience. Unfortunately, Bullington says, by allocating more resources to cops and corrections than to treatment and by filling top positions with law and order conservatives, Noel's father is working against the broad application of the kinds of policies that have protected his daughter. Again, the issue is not that she should be punished more, but that other people should be given the same kind of break, he says. If a normal person was building up a history like that of Noel Bush, she'd be looking at jail time now, says Sidney P. Smith, a defense attorney who spent seven years as a public defender in Dade County. It's a discretionary call, but if they actually found drugs in someone's room, I think many clinics would report it because it's a crime, a crime that gets many people locked up. Jim McDonough, director of the Florida Office for Drug Control, says there are currently 93 people in state prisons for marijuana possession. According to the Florida Department of Corrections, 20,000 people in fiscal year 2000 were convicted of felony drug possession in the state. A third of them went to jail, and 1,775 served more than a year. Smith mentions one of his clients, a legal immigrant from Nicaragua, who spent six months in jail and was then deported for committing crimes almost exactly like those allegedly committed by Noel Bush. Such discrepancies are the reason that Smith, who chairs the Florida Campaign for New Drug Policies, is leading the campaign to pass an initiative called the Right to Treatment and Rehab for Nonviolent Drug Offenses, which will likely go before the Florida electorate in 2004. Advocates tried to get it on the ballot this year, but the Florida Supreme Court, which had to approve the measure, took six months to make the decision, and that left advocates too little time to collect the necessary signatures. Modeled on California's Prop 36, which passed in 2000, the initiative would amend Florida's constitution to mandate that nonviolent first- and second-time drug offenders be either sent to rehab programs or let go. It would also take the likelihood of relapses into account by giving addicts multiple chances at treatment. In effect, it would force the state to treat all defendants the way it's treated Noel Bush. 
But led by Governor Bush, opposition to the measure is fierce. I can assure you that unless we have a change in leadership in the governor's office and the attorney general's office, prosecutors and law enforcement will mount a very active campaign against passage of this, says Jerry Blair, president of the Florida Prosecuting Attorneys Association. When talking about his daughter, the governor is the model of empathy. The road to recovery, recovery is a difficult and long journey for those afflicted with the addiction, he said on September 10th. But he took a very different tone in August 2001 when arguing against the right to treatment initiative. To suggest that there should be no penalties for continued drug use, he said, is to stick our head in the sand. To be fair, it's not just the Bush team that's opposing the measure. Many in the rehab community are against it as well, arguing that the threat of jail is necessary to make addicts stick with their program. While drug law reformers insist that addiction treatment should be removed from the criminal realm altogether, Bruce Hayden, president of the Spectrum programs, the group of four rehab clinics, says that the threat of jail is absolutely necessary. For the most part, the criminal justice system and treatment system work very well together, he said. But how well they work together has a lot to do with how much money defendants have. While first offense possession of crack in Florida carries a maximum five-year prison sentence, 15 years for heroin, most nonviolent defendants can opt for Florida's system of drug courts designed to divert nonviolent addicts into treatment programs rather than prison. That's what Noel Bush did. People who complete the treatment emerge with a clean criminal record. It sounds like a great system, and in many ways it is. It's certainly far better than New York's, where mandatory minimum sentences send people away for decades. Randy Credico, a drug reform activist who heads the New York-based William Moses Kunstler Fund for Racial Justice, cites the case of a Long Island addict currently serving 12 and a half to 25 years for a second offense crack possession, 12 and a half to 25 years. But there are two problems with Florida's system. McDonough concedes that there aren't enough drug courts to handle everyone eligible for them, only half who would opt for the drug court get in, and those offenders who want treatment instead of prison often have to find their own rehab center and uh, find a way to pay for it. There are state-subsidized places within the various clinics, but there's a long waiting list for these, so some defendants go to jail for lack of treatment options. The problem has been exacerbated by recent budget cuts, which, according to a January article in the St. Pete Times, eliminated more than 600 subsidized beds, a third of the total. McDonough says he thinks the article exaggerated the loss of beds. Those who don't go to treatment don't get their records cleared, Smith says, so if they're arrested again, they can be charged as habitual offenders, which carries a double prison sentence. A lot of my clients have to suffer in jail because they can't afford the kind of program that a prosecutor would find acceptable, says Smith. If you've got a client with an unlimited budget, I can find a program for him that's probably going to satisfy everyone. Furthermore, he says, programs that are designed for paying customers tend to be more accommodating, as Noel Bush's has been. Smith says that the referendum would put the onus on the state rather than the defendant to find a treatment bed for everyone who qualifies for one. Opponents of the Right to Treatment Initiative don't really dispute the fact that the system favors people with money. Asked whether the current system discriminates against the poor, Blair says. In terms of drug treatment, well, it probably discriminates to the extent that the state does not furnish adequate drug treatment programs. It discriminates in the sense that a wealthier defendant might be given the option to, volunteer, to voluntarily enter a drug treatment program at his or her own expense in order to avoid the consequences of a criminal offense, and that same drug treatment alternative might not be available always to indigent uh, defendants. Hayden agrees, I'd like to think that the money should not determine whether you go to jail or not, he says, but it does. Are we talking fair? I think we're talking reality, at least reality Bush style, writes Michelle Goldberg in todaysalon.com. 1027 at 560 WQAM, and we'll be back. My and local, this is Sports Radio 560 QAM. Hey, it's Howard. Howard David. Do, 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 do. And that's why I think the Jets will have a championship season. The Jets? And what did I tell you? You don't talk till I say you can talk. This is the beast. I said shut up, fatso. But you're like a father to me. You don't talk till I'm done talking. When I'm done talking, then you talk. Okay, I'll... Hey, beast, come here. What? Come here. I want you to meet a friend of mine, Mr. Golf Club. <laughs> why, I ought to... <laughs> I'm going to show you the business end of this thing. Come here. <laughs> 
this court sentences you to 20 years in Oz. What you invoke? I uh, tore the tag off my mattress. Uh, Looks like we'll be uh, bunkmates. Uh, the name's Mo Howard David. Star of stage, screen, and paradise. What's yours? Nico Mikofe. Hmm, you got so tan. Right. Thank you. Hey, look at that. So proud and drill, honey. I'm going to make you my woman. Hey, nobody will stop you. God, God, oh, God. Oh, dear, Pinky. All right, shower time. You got ten minutes. Well, who wants to be safe in here? Yo, Volta. Yo, man. Get a load of our new Linda Blair over there. Ain't so pretty. Oh, okay. Hey, don't embarrass me like that. Do you know who I am? Don't okay, tell me, Ben. Don't pick it up now. Oh, man. All right. But I expect a written apology on my first part. With that broom handle, Volta. Say hello, broom handle. The warden will see you now. Thanks. Well, Mr. David. Hello, warden. Oh, Jack. Jack Warden. How can I help you? Well, you see, warden. Yes? I keep getting raped. Oh, isn't that a shame? I'll look into it right away. Thanks, warden. It's about time, somebody. But now drop your pad. Huh? I said drop your pad. This is Oz. Favors don't come cheap. Yo, yo, yo. Let's rape more. Radio Big Shot. That's how we pass the time away in the gay old jail of Oz. Okay, 1033 at 560 WQAM. A gun-toting musician forced a southern Brazilian radio station to play his debut album for more than an hour after failing to break into show business by more usual routes, the man's father said. Marcus Vinicius dos Santos, 27, the vocalist for the rock group ACC, a Portuguese acronym for Beyond the Gray Sky, storm disc jockey Marcio Paz's booth at Antalita FM, and forced him to play his album, Faces of Life. He's a quiet boy, his father, Getulio Dos Santos, said. I'm surprised by what happened. The incident ended after about 70 minutes when Vincius Dos Santos surrendered to police. Nobody was injured and paused later informed listeners where, where they could buy the band's album. Sounds like a good idea of Power 96, don't it? What? Are you still, are you still in a bat again? You better get control of yourself, mister, because you're losing your grip on reality. Italy is famous around the world for strikes in every sector, from transport workers to doctors, from teachers and even prostitutes. Now the first pizza strike has been called for tomorrow. The consumer group, ADUC, a duke, says the price of a pizza is just too high and disproportionate to the cost of ingredients. The group estimates that the ingredients for a classic pizza margarita, tomato, mozzarella, and basil, cost a mere 49 euro cents. But restaurant goers are charged an average of 5 euros, an increase of some 1,000%. Using the same proportions, the group says a dish of choice fish in a good restaurant would cost a consumer some 150 euros, but in reality it costs only a fraction of that. In order to protest against the high cost of the national staple, the group has called on consumers not to buy pizzas all day tomorrow in Italia. How do you like that, huh? When in Rome, don't eat the pizza. Don't eat the pie. Speaking of don't eat it, yeah. Sydney, Australia. A glob of dog excrement on a Queensland robber's shoe has been used as evidence to identify him, landing him a 10-year stretch for a betting shop holdup on Australia's Gold Coast. Now, isn't this again my psychic powers coming into play? What was I talking about yesterday? Dog do dog crap. Getting on your dog shoes, crap you off throw it your away. shoes. There you go. See if he would have just thrown the shoes away. Police said yesterday they'd used enhanced photos from a security camera to match the pattern of excrement found at the crime scene <laughs> to that on a 26-year-old Jacob Smith's shoe. 
It's not rocket, rocket scientists. It's as plain as poo on your shoe. Police Sergeant Alan Piper, a veteran scientific officer, was quoted by the local media saying, it's as plain as poo on your shoe. It could have been one or five thousand or ten thousand shoes, but because that poo was there was creating a great big feature that allowed us to go in for a positive identification. I'd say there's been some more poo on that shoe, but it's worn away, said Piper, who admitted to also doing a smell test. Oh, oh, no, a smell Cock-a. test? A, a smell test? Smith, who had wrapped a sheet around his face to hide his identity during the heist, was jailed June uh, for 10 years and 10 months on charges of robbery, being armed in, in company and unlawful use of a motor vehicle, etc. And also for having shoes that smelled really nasty. Whose job is that? To do the smell test. The sniff police. Dr. Fung. Dr. Mung. Milwaukee, if you're going to court, you might want to leave the cocaine at home. Authorities in Milwaukee say they found 28 rocks of crack cocaine in the braided hair of a 16-year-old girl. Deputies say they searched the girl after one saw a plastic bag sticking out from from the back of her hair. According to prosecutors, the girl claims she found the illegal drugs in the bathroom. Authorities say they don't know why the teen had gone to the courthouse in the first place. Now she faces felony drug uh, possession charges. How do you like that? It's Here's a, something just in from CNN. California teacher sentenced to prison for sex with student. A judge, now how come this is just in? This is a story from yesterday. Anyway, well, a little bit slow. A judge yesterday sternly lectured a former California teacher who kidnapped a 15-year-old student and had sex with him in a Vegas hotel, but gave her a sentence that allows her to be released from Nevada custody next month. Being a teacher is a sacred trust. How dare you? How dare you? Judge Joseph T. Bonaventure yelled, pointing his finger at Tanya Hayden, Haddon, 33. How dare you, bitch? How dare you? He sentenced Haddon to five to 12 and a half years in prison for secondary kidnapping, sexual conduct between teacher and student, and statutory sexual seduction. But he suspended all but six months of the sentence, meaning that with the time served, she faces only 40 more days in Nevada. Haddon still faces related charges in California, will likely be extradited within weeks, Prosecutor Douglas Herndon said. Those charges carry up to nine years in prison. Haddon and Richard Pena disappeared April 29th from San Bernardino's Cajun High School. They were found at a Las Vegas hotel casino four days later. The former teacher broke into tears at yesterday's hearing as the boy's mother, Ida Pena, said Haddon ruined her son's life and that the family went through hell while he was missing. You violated him and you violated us, she said, glaring at Haddon. Haddon's lawyer, Jordan S. Savage, said her client was lonely after a recent separation from her husband. I was acting like a 15-year-old girlfriend, she told the judge yesterday. I wasn't acting like an adult. Haddon agreed that she needed therapy and apologized to Pena's mother, saying, I want peace to return to your family. I want a piece of that, too. Haddon could have been sentenced to 26 years in prison, but Bonaventure told her, you would last deserve a chance, you at least deserve a chance to rebuild your life. He ordered her to be placed on strict sex offender probation and lifetime supervision. How do you like that, huh? Kidnaps a 15-year-old kid, takes him to a Vegas strip motel, and just screws the, his brains out. What do you think of that? Ah, but it was a guy. Yeah, see, so you're jealous. I got two baseball stories coming up. Can you believe that? Live and local. This is 560. The radio's all yours now. QAM. Friday, you bastards. Yeah, don't roll me one of them. Not me. I tried to watch Pink Floyd's The Wall, but I wasn't high. Ooh, I really didn't get it at all, cause I wasn't high. That movie really sucks, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, how come? Cause I wasn't high. 
Cause I wasn't high, cause I wasn't high. I tried to eat a whole bag of chips, but I wasn't high. Oh, come on, come on, baby. I couldn't eat a whole box of cheese nips, cause I wasn't high. I didn't have the munchies, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, what's up? Cause I wasn't high, cause I wasn't high, cause I wasn't high. To go skydiving, but I wasn't high. And when they jumped out, I stayed in, cause I wasn't high. I prefer being alive, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, what's up? Cause I'm not high, cause I'm not high, cause I'm not high. So I'm sure even you saw the, if you had CNN on or any of the talking head channels, you saw the, uh, Contradumps they had there in Chicago, the baseball thing. Yes, I did. With those two scumbags, those two right. shirtless, tattooed scumbags, yeah. father and son. WTs. Oh, man. Tom Gamboa was standing near first base, just as he's done every other night of the season, hands on his hips, as he was watching the world's next batter come to the plate. Suddenly, out of nowhere, the Kansas City coach was ambushed by a bare-chested father and his juvenile son who ran out of the seats. What seemed like a football team crashed into his back and knocked him to the ground. His left cheek was slammed into the turf, and his face absorbed blow after blow. It just happened so fast, he said. When you get in brawls with the other team, you have a chance to anticipate this type of thing. But when it's coming totally unprovoked and from behind, I'm just totally stunned. Did you see him with a big uh, welt on his puss? Yep. On his head? The entire Royals team and the White Sox rushed to Gamboa's aid. He had several cuts and large bruise on his forehead, but he walked off the field away, standing ovation from the crowd at Comiskey Park, where the Royals beat the White Sox 2-1. to one. The father and son were let off the field in handcuffs. White Sox spokesman Scott Reeford said their names will not be released until they're charged. Reeford said the father will face a charge of aggravated felony assault for hitting Gambo and a White Sox security guard who's an off-duty Chicago police officer. The son who is age was not made available will face unspecified <coughs> juvenile charges. I would expect Major League Baseball to do something, Royals outfielder Chuck Knobloch said. It's amazing something like that hasn't happened before, but it's a fear of players because it seems like the fans continue to get more and more hostile. A folded, po a folded up pocket knife was found at the scene. White Sox outfielder Aaron Rowland said he saw it fall out of one of the fans' pockets, and Royals closer Roberto Hernandez said he saw security guards place it in an evidence bag. How do you like that? They had a swishblade. Rednecks, shirtless rednecks with tattoos and a swishblade. Sounds like a recipe for a real pile of crap maybe, to me. Maybe it was a buck knife. And, of course, it was in the ninth inning, and by that time, you do realize... Oh, of course. Right. That's the only way you're going to enjoy the game. Because that's the all-American way, and I've asked that question a million times back in the days when we were taking those stupid-ass phone calls. See, I've asked a lot of good questions over the years on the air, but never get answers to those questions. You don't want to know why? Why? Because people don't want to be forced to think about those things. Just like this athlete's patting each other on the, on the ass. Rectum. Oh, never got a response to that. The only endeavor where it's not considered to be a faggy thing is the athletes. Lawyers, after they win a big court case, don't pat each other on the ass. Nobody pats each other on the ass unless they mean something by it. Unless, of course, it's athletes, then it's acceptable behavior. Athletes? Athletes, that's right. Speaking of ass, yes, Beast just uh, weighed his fat ass. And? 229, down a pound. Oh! 55 pounds, baby. Oh, 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 oh! The once gigantic, humongous... <laughs> Disgusting grotesque. Now, did the beast hear that uh, thing? Oh, that's right. He can't comment on that because he needs the job. Well, that's good work, beast. Keep it up. Fifty-five pounds on balance for life. And of course, the beast also does not participate in the Baba Ganoush. I'm sure. Does he? Just the Baba part. 
<laughs> oh, and that's a shame because I hear the GNU stuff is really the best part. I'm looking at your menus, chocolate, strawberry, pancakes, turkey, ham, onion, spinach, egg and cheese, burrito, pizza, omelet, pomodoro, pepperoni and mozzarella cheese, mm -hmm. turkey, broccoli and cheddar souffle. I just had a blueberry muffin that was dynamic and I'm going to have mushroom strudel. And that I, uh, that I poppy lemon cheesecake and pork fried rice, chicken Mexicana. That's good stuff. Of course, it'll make you test positive. Chicken club wrap with tomato, cheddar, turkey, bacon, romaine, and Thousand Island dressing. Spinach fusilli siciliano with Lorraine Swiss. Okay, I'm getting hungry now. Seriously, the stuff on it is good, which is why I can stay on it. See, the fat boy gave me that ridiculous copy I had to tear up the other day for Dial a Mattress. And next year, he's threatening that he's going to get them to send me a good mattress for up here in Toronto, which would be great and much needed, much appreciated. But uh, I'm not looking forward to coming home so I can sleep on a good mattress. Okay, I mean, that, that's getting carried a little bit too far. But one of the things I am looking forward to is having the food every day in my little black sack, because I do enjoy that. And I'll be able to, like, get into that weight loss thing right along with the beast. The QM van will be out at uh, CarMax, located in Miami, just off the 836, at 1300 Northwest 98th Court tomorrow from 11 to 1. Stop by to win prizes and free food from Atlantic City Subs, where Ira and the bread make the difference. That's with Miguel, I'm sure. Yes. Tomorrow will be between 11 and 1. Uh, CarMax, 1300 Northwest 83. Nine, what is it? 98th Court tomorrow. I can't. I'm tongue-tied. That's because I got that Atlantic City subs thing. I started thinking about our other good friend there, which I don't want to mention. The other baseball story, Mets have a trouble with that wicked weed. Can you believe that? No, I don't believe At it. At least seven players suspected of marijuana use. Oh, oh my God. What's it going to be next? Is that that performance-enhancing marijuana? Right. At least seven Mets have been suspected of using marijuana this season, part of an alleged pattern of drug use that reaches from the team's minor league system right up to the major league roster. Sources close to the team have told Newsday. This is in today's Newsday on Long Island. Manager Bobby Valentine acknowledged he worried about the drug problem on his team as early as spring training and said he spoke to general manager Steve Phillips about his concerns, although Phillips yesterday said he did not recall such a conversation. I've seen signals, but nothing definitive, Valentine said yesterday as he was drowned out by a cloud of smoke. Can you believe maybe that's why they played so crappy this year, you think? Maybe like all little when in doubt, they're kind of spaced out. A top team official, however, said the manager confronted rookie reliever Grant Roberts over suspected drug use this season. Valentine said he met with his team to discuss foolishness of drug use when rookie pitcher Mark Corey was hospitalized with seizure-like symptoms June 26 after smoking marijuana with teammate Tony Tarasco mere blocks from the stadium. Remember that story? No. I sure do. Tarasco, Corey, and Roberts are three of at least seven Major League Mets who have been suspected of using marijuana this season. Most of the players involved came up through the Mets' farm system. In addition to Corey, a number of those suspected are no longer with the team. Phillips disputed there's a problem yesterday. He said, I don't think we have rampant, uh, rampant drug use in our Major League team. He said, interviews with a high-ranking team official, a former prospect, and two people close to players in the organization in the aftermath of the Corey Tarasco incident raised new allegations. According to a friend some of, of some of the Mets players, marijuana has allegedly been mailed into Shea Stadium inside a jar of peanut butter, and at least one Met regularly smokes marijuana in the players' parking lot. The source also said that a number of Mets players have been known to share a marijuana-filled limousine ride rather than taking the team bus from one city to another while on the road. A former prospect and two friends of current Mets confirmed that the team's minor leaguers have been warned in advance of supposedly random drug tests and learned how to avoid drug detection. One of the friends said the Mets minor leaguers have been known to buy marijuana and drug paraphernalia near hotels on the road in order to access it on the next trip to town. A team official and a friend of players said in addition to marijuana, ecstasy was another drug of choice among Mets minor leaguers. Valentine recounted how he talked to his team after Newsday reported the Corey Tarasco drug use in June. 
After one incident we had, I addressed the team about this stuff, specifically about how foolish it was, how it was illegal, and how embarrassing it could be for it to continue, Valentine said. In order to evade bomb-sniffing dogs that occasionally patrol Shea Stadium, a source who refused to be named said one player instructed an accomplice to pack the marijuana in partly filled peanut butter jars. Well, I bet you that's tasty, too. Mm, and when yeah. you start getting the munchies, you just reach in there, get the munchie, and it's extra crunchy. We're not going to get back into that again, are we? <laughs> oh, open wide. They leave about a, a half inch uh, to an inch of peanut butter on the outside wall, and then they just throw over the bag of inside the peanut butter, said the source who also has knowledge that two of the young Mets may have provided drugs to teammates and players on other teams during spring training. Told of the drug allegations, catcher Mike Piazza said it's kind of disturbing if that's the case. I'm not against having fun for me if having a few... If it's uh, having a few beers, if you're of age, you have to blow off steam somehow. But you think guys at this level will be completely focused in their careers, he said. First baseman Mo Vaughn said yesterday, I personally was never into drugs, just like what's-his-name used to tell us, uh, Tommy Kramer. It's hard enough to play this game if your brain is normal. I don't know if that's a problem on this team. I hope to God it's not, he said. If there's something going on, we need to correct it. There's a thing in here about the uh, stuff, uh, let's see. Uh, this story goes on from pages and pages, but about the fact that, of course, when you're buying it, like, uh, you have no idea what's in it. See, this right. is part of the problem of America's constipated, asinine, Stone Age uh, position on legalization and even decriminalization. Is the fact, And, of course, it's got to be legalization because decriminalization won't change that. you got to know what you're buying. God only knows what's in it when you get, like, in it in the peanut butter jar, you know what? Or when you or when you buy it on the streets of Amsterdam instead of the coffee shops. Although they're selling more important things than marijuana on the streets of Amsterdam. Crack, crack, coke, crack, coke. Why not? Crack, coke. Come on, man. Ecstasy. They are that that group, that crowd. They could be the lowest form of subhuman scum ever to crawl around on the face of the globe. The Rastacoons in Amsterdam. They're just uh, send me. Speaking of drugs. Yeah. Agents arrest seven in South Florida as part of internet rape drug trade. Remember we had the. Good old Hare uh, Ashcroft on the other day? Yes, indeed. The U.S. and Canada launched an all-out assault on the Internet trade and date, rug, uh, date rape drugs rape. this week. Date rape drugs this week with the arrest of 115 people in 84 cities. U.S. Attorney General Hare John Ashcroft announced yesterday. Seven people in South Florida were among those accused yesterday of buying or selling the drug GHB and its derivatives over the Internet. <coughs> GHB and its chemical cousins normally used in the production of industrial solvents also are abused as an intoxicant, muscle growth hormone, and most dangerously as a date rape drug causing drowsiness and loss of consciousness or worse. The use of the colorless, odorless liquid as a central nervous system depressant that can cause memory loss often makes prosecution of rape cases difficult, according to the U.S. DEA. Our campuses, our neighborhoods, and our communities are safer places for young women today because cyberspace just got more dangerous for drug traffickers, asked Coffee Sand. The DEA has documented 72 deaths caused by the GHB family. It doesn't get any more serious than that, said Special Agent Joe Kilmer, spokesman for the DEA in Miami. Operation Webslinger, involving numerous federal and local investigators in the U.S. and Canada, confiscated about 3,000 gallons of GHB-type chemicals and more than a million dollars in cash and property in the most significant offensive against date rape uh, drugs to date. DEA Director Asshole Hutchinson said in Washington, D.C. Remember him, Asshole Hutchinson? No. Nope. Yeah, you do. He was the uh, senator oh, from Asa? Arkansas. Yeah, well, yes. I call him asshole. Okay. He was one of the big uh, anti-Clinton penis uh, gate people. Yes. The investigation began two years ago and stemmed from operations in St. Louis, Detroit, San Diego, Mobile, Alabama, Sparta, Tennessee, Buffalo, New York, and Quebec City, eh? They don't say A in Quebec City. Uh, Buffalo, New York. Well, they certainly seem to be having a lot of troubles in Buffalo and Lackawanna and uh, Johnstown and Leroy. Chictawaga. Fredonia and Chictawaga and Dunkirk. Arrested in South Florida on third and in uh, Batavia, 
Arrested in South Florida yesterday, charged with possession and or trafficking in the drugs were Michael Riolo, 31, of Coconut Creek, James Walsh, 27, of Pompano Beach, Kevin Furlift, 40, of Miami Beach, Alexis Athenios, 33, of North Palm Beach, Robert Dobson, 44, of West Palm Beach, John N., 47, of Palm Beach Gardens, and Michael Zarechny, 32, of West Palm Beach. Daniel Peltzer of Saint-Étienne, Quebec. Don't you love those French names? We. Oui. Saint-Étienne, Quebec, described by U.S. Uh, Assistant Attorney James Kennedy in Buffalo as one of the biggest providers of GHB in the world, was indicted on charges of unlawful use of the Internet and importation of GBL and BD and SPD and SPCA after 1,452 gallons of the chemicals were seized Wednesday from his business and residence. GHB is also known as G, Jib, Scoop, Liquid E, Liquid X, Women's Viagra, Grievous Bodily Harm, Easy Lay, Gamma 10, Salty Water, Aminos, 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 Blue Nitro, and Blue Thunder, among other names, according to Project GHB, a non-profit anti-drug use organization. How do you like that? You do not belong in here, you damn crackhead. Exactly. We're Sports Radio 560, QAM. Drugs are good, okay? Eisner? Mr. Mouse? What the hell are you doing to me? What do you mean, sir? Why am I reading in the paper you're going to put a Disney theme park in Brooklyn? Well, well, sir, we're just scouting locations. Jesus, I'm scouting CEOs. You are killing me. But, but, but sir, look what we've done with New York City, oh. Times Square, 42nd Street. Hang on. Remus! Remus! Turn off the vacuum cleaner, Remus! Get that bluebird out of here! Okay, boss. Eisner. But, sir, look what we've done with Midtown Manhattan. 42nd Street is incredible. Oh, you know what? Publicly, I supported that, but you took all the porn away. You're killing me. I'm going through Gaviscon like Pez. We're just scouting areas. Calm down. Listen to me, Buck Munch. Don't tell me to calm down. We got lucky with Lilo and Stitch, $128 million. Now, you're trying to ruin the whole network. What kind of programming are you running? Hang on a minute. Remus, you got bluebird crap all over your shoulder. (laughs) Clean yourself up, for heaven's sake. And turn off the vacuum cleaner. Good God. Sir, the network is fine. Why couldn't you come up with American Idol? Good God, you're still running James Bond movies. They're 60 years old. Why don't you just put Steamboat Willie on and be done with it? At least then I'd make a couple of damn dollars. Well, the, the movie division's fine. You mentioned Lilo and Stitch, and now we have the new M. Night Shyamalan movie coming out later oh, this summer. Oh, I know, signs. What the hell does that mean? Stop sign, yield sign. you got to start swinging some of these titles past me. Please. Remus. Remus. Can't hear you, Bob. I know you can't hear me, Remus. You're still running. Yes, sir. I'd be very careful the next time I started my car if I were you. What, what, what do you mean, sir? I'm about done with you. What? About done. What, sir? I'll put Hannah Storm in your job. But, sir, I'm You sorry. are terrible. I'm sorry. Maybe I'll put Remus in there. I'd you like to be president of Disney, Remus? Uh, oh, my. What a wonderful day. <laughs> Get out of here, you nutbag. 1103 at 560. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one, but that just no, I, I love it. Into, I, it just, uh, Especially the Remus part. Yeah, and the bluebird on his shoulder. Uh, 74 agnostics, we're doing our semi-annual religion pull on neilrogers.com. 74 agnostics, atheist 55, Catholics 50, must be a lot of spicks. 
Jews 39, Wiccans 31. That, that's the one that uh, really raises both of my eyebrows, all three of them. Wiccans. See, and if it wasn't for you, that wouldn't, I don't, we don't have any Wiccans. You, you don't believe Wiccans. that that number is severely It's elevated? artificially inflated, no question. There's maybe ten real votes on there. Protestants 22, born-again Christians 5, all right! Oi! Buddhists 5, Jehovah's Witness 3, Muslim 3, and we still have only one Mormon, one Christian scientist, one Scientologist, no Hindus and no Sikhs. I thought we had a lot of Sikhs. With all the conveniences stores, uh, conveniences stores we right. have in town? No, they're all here. They're all up here, believe me. I mean, 40 trillion of them. This is from the Drudge Report you faxed me. This is, well, it is kind of interesting. But yes, boy, Car Carlos said, uh, he, we know you hate the Drudge Report, but nevertheless. It's no, I don't hate story. the Drudge Report, and I don't even hate him. I just find him, uh, uh, he just leaves me limp, you know what I mean? What do you mean? He just leaves me limp, like when he came to the pizza loft that day with his mother, whoever that woman was. I mean, does his mother drive him to work like very jackass? Well, he's obsessed with this show, though, Matt Drudge, and he is on uh, WABC, and he's on all over the country. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, he's, he's probably got a good agent. Isn't he one of yours? Ask Dave Johnson. Drudge Report, White House game show, Murdoch Net plans American candidate winner to run for president 04. Move over, American Idol, here comes American president. A Rupert Murdoch TV game show, and of course, if Rupert Murdoch's behind it, we can't imagine how far to the right the winning candidate's going to be. Right. A Rupert Murdoch TV game show that may choose the outcome of the next White House race. Cable channel FX is sent to mount an ambitious two-year endeavor that will culminate in the American public voting on a people's candidate to run for president of the U.S. in 2004. A hundred candidates will start the series. During subsequent episodes, candidates will square off in numerous competitions like debates. What a concept. The number of semifinalists will be whittled down each week based on live audience response and telephone-slash-internet voting. Each episode will originate from all-American locales such as Mount Rushmore or the Statue of Liberty. But the final episode of the series will be an American candidate convention held live on the National Mall in Washington around July 4, 2004, sufficiently patriotic. Viewers will determine the winning candidate from among three finalists. This, maybe that guy in Texas can, like, uh, you know, vote 42 million times. The series will be seeking the Jesse Venturas of the world, finding messages people want to hear, added Kevin Riley, FX's president of entertainment. How many people do you think watch FX, by the way? It depends on what's on. Like, The Shield has a very large audience. Hopefully, we'll find some very qualified civil servant who lacks a power base, maybe also a plumber from Detroit who tells it like it is. It's like a cross between the war room and American Idol, producer R.J. Cutler tells this weekend's Daily Variety. We'll be making available to every American who's qualified by virtue of the Constitution the opportunity to run for president. Just as American Idol went searching for undiscovered musical talent, Cutler said American candidate will be on the hunt for untapped political and leadership skill. It's not clear the ethical ramifications of Murdoch's News Corp financing a presidential candidate's launch. The game show appears to be inspired by a Buenos Aires television channel, which is launching a series called The People's Candidate, where the winner will be nominated as a candidate for the 03 congressional elections in Argentina. Oh! Three. I beg your pardon? You said oh. Oh. No, it's coming uh, soon. Coming very soon to a election booth near you. With rigged uh, voting, oh, yeah. electronic voting. Just like real elections. Right. Oh, wait till you hear this. Now, this is going to be, I don't know about this, because I don't know that much about it, but it just it makes my skin crawl. It makes my kishkis twitch a little bit. Publix to start selling irradiated beef and chicken next year. Yes. What do you mean, yes? I saw that story. Public Supermarkets, Inc., Florida's largest grocery chain, and of course we love them dearly, said this week that it will begin selling irradiated beef and chicken next year in a move that's already bringing protests. Oh, I haven't got to the Pettus story yet. How did I not oh, do that yet? Well, 
One thing at a time, I guess. Oh, no, i got such a pile of stuff here. Where the hell is that? Why did I put that down so far in my list? The Petta people. Oh, here it is. In fact, I'm going to move it up on my list. Now, you notice before the show I was playing something, and you probably wondered why I was playing it. Now, listen to the way she says it. Pete's in Lake Worth. Oh, the, okay. PETA. See? PETA. I can never, I can never forget that acronym, P-E-T-A, whether it's PETA or PETA. we got to look that off. It's PETA. Huh? It's PETA. Yeah, it's PETA. So that's why I played that, because uh, the goddess was saying that like a Peter. long time ago. Peter. Peter. I was perfect. Anyway, Publix to start selling irradiated beef. Public spokesman Lee Brunson said the Lakeland-based chain's new generation brand of irradiated frozen ground beef, boneless chicken breasts, and chicken tenders will give consumers more choice and another line of defense against contamination. But irradiation opponents immediately declared war. We'll be exerting pressure on Publix in Florida nationwide, said Michael Colby, executive director of Food and Water Inc., a money lobbying organization. Colby, by the way, the Panthers lost last night in Montreal 5-2. to two. Exhibition game. First exhibition game of the season. I thought I mentioned that because Mo won't let Gildy even mention Puck on the ear or Schmuck. Because when he says Schmuck, he thinks he's talking about him. And if he says Puck, he knows it's hockey talk. He don't want to hear that. Colby vowed, and the Leafs play Ottawa last night, their, uh, tonight, their first exhibition game. Colby vowed to mobilize the group's 125,000 grassroots supporters nationwide. We'll be in front of as many public outlets as we can, he said. Well, that's something to look forward to coming home to, to see yeah. them protesting in front of my Publix. Publix Direct is great, by the way. Which is what? You shop online, they bring it right to your house. But now do you get to choose the bag, boy? Just the bag. Don't 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 they have pictures there? During the past <laughs> no. four... Well, what's wrong with that? No, you don't get to choose the bag, boy. During the past 40 years, the FDA has gradually increased the number of foods, including beef, pork, poultry, and fresh fruits and vegetables, that can be irradiated, which kills harmful bacteria. But many grocers and restaurants, faced with critics' claims that irradiation can cause cancer, have been reluctant to sell the treated food. Others have been selling it without fanfare to avoid protest. In other words, real quiet. Keep it quiet. Publix, which has 711 stores in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, won't be the first grocer in the state to sell irradiated meat. Jacksonville-based Winn-Dixie stores disclosed on Wednesday that it's quietly been selling irradiated frozen beef patties for about a year, and it's more than 1,070 stores in 12 states. I wouldn't buy the meat at Winn-Dixie if you paid me by the ounce. The beef people? I wouldn't touch their meat with your hand. Winn-Dixie spokesman Mickey Clerk said the company never announced it was introducing irradiated items, although the Huskine brand, H-U-S-K-I-E-N, uh, is labeled with a federally required irradiation symbol in the statement that the food was treated. What's the symbol? Is it like, like a little skull and crossbones? Like that, you know, those three triangles? <laughs> it's not a big item in terms of sales, Clerk said, but it gives consumers a choice. People who want to cook hamburgers rare, he said, can do so with irradiated beef with less concern about salmonella or other contamination. Sal, who used to play third base for the A's. Clerk said he wouldn't, couldn't say whether Winn-Dixie might add irradiated chicken or fresh products to the mix in the future. It all depends on consumer demand, he said. A number of other small regional supermarket chains, such as Wegmans Food Markets in New York. Oh! All right. Recently also began selling irradiated beef products. I love Wegmans. I like Loblaws better. we got Loblaws here, but I don't know where the hell they are. There's not one by me. Aren't you excited about that? we got Loblaws in Toronto? No. But I got Dominion, eh? I'm excited about that. What a great store, man. They got just, I just like to hang out there for a few hours and just take a whole bunch of sacks. Public said it'll consider selling irradiated fresh food in the future, a move that could make the chain even more vulnerable to protest. Most mainstream health professionals support irradiation as safe and effective, a way to blunt an alarming rise in foodborne illnesses and death. <laughs> the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said in a statement on irradiation that an overwhelming body of scientific evidence demonstrates that irradiation does not harm the nutritional value of food, nor does it make the food unsafe to eat. Just as for the pasteurization of milk, it will be most effective when irradiation is coupled to careful sanitation programs. 
The Publix products will be treated at Food Technology Service, Inc., a plant near Lakeland, a small company that's been zapping poultry, fruit, and vegetables since 92, despite sporadic protests from various groups such as Food and Water, Inc. How do you like that? Those people are lunatics. All it does is kill uh, organisms. You don't want anything to be alive in your meat. And that's it. It's yeah, great. But, you want your, but you want your meat to be alive. That's the question. Lively. You don't want nothing alive in your meat, but you certainly want your meat to be alive. That's what they say at Cemetery Village. In fact, that's their slogan for the new year. Twelve minutes after 11 at 560. WQM, is there still anybody out there who's not plunging their brains out at VIPSportsbook.com? If so, i got to tell you, you're missing out on a really great sports book. You hear a lot of ads these days, but do some research before you plunk your hard-earned money down at some unstable third-world sports book like at Cemetery Village. Let me help you out. VIPSportsbook.com is the only book to be unanimously endorsed by the industry watchdogs, all of them. They're Dutch-based, so how bad can they be? And they're one of the first online sports books. So seriously, if you go on a roll of a lifetime, at that point you want to be with the best sports book out there. Make sure you get your cash. VIPSportsbook.com is the one. VIP's Sportsbook. The football season is in full force, and you need to be with the best. VIPSportsbook.com. So open an account online, and when you do that, you get you a 15% sign-up cash bonus. And did I mention? I don't think I did. They have the highest parlay odds in the world up to 2001. Did I mention that Gary Sarner is an asshole? Uh-huh. I'll say it again. Get over to VIPSportsbook.com and play the book with class. That phone number is toll-free, 1-866-VIP-BETS. That's 1-866-VIP-BETS. What you waiting for, man? Go to VIPSportsbook.com and get that 15% cash bonus signing up online right now. VIPSportsbook.com, where you be the VIP. Live and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAM. Carpeting in this apartment or what? Thank God. You want to know why? Why? Well, I put my bottle of uh, diet, uh, caffeine-free diet coke down there, uh-huh. and I didn't have the top sealed completely. Okay. And when I backed up my chair, my beautiful office chair that I bought with my own hard and put together, as a matter of fact, uh, I knocked it over. And so I ran in the other room while that thing was playing, and I got me a towel and I just uh, soaked it all up there, and it's beautiful. It looks like brand new. Excellent. Oh, thank the Lord. So all I need to be doing is making a mess. Anyway, I was looking on a computer because I downloaded this. Oh, and did you see the picture of this woman beating the crap out of her daughter in oh, the yeah, car? Oh, yeah, over and over and over again. They, they've shown this more time than the pictures of the planes going in the buildings or the picture of the uh, Challenger. Well, which one was it, the Challenger that uh, blew yes. up? Over and over. Search on. I, I, now, before they said that they had arrested her. Now it says search on from other uh, in apparent tape beating. We're nearby, but were there other witnesses apparent who at least said they, you know, they got a, a tag number or something like that which may be able to help in this investigation? 
A couple things about that, and that's the chilling part of the story. Chilling. That you see this woman chilling. look behind her to make sure nobody's the there before she starts beating her child. But in the store, the person operating the camera obviously knew there was a problem right. and was alert and aware because after we saw the pictures of what happened there, he later focused on the license plate. The license plate is from the state of Texas, mm. and that's how they were able to narrow down who this woman was. All right. Well, the search goes on for... The search goes on. Before, they, just a little while ago, I thought they said I was positive. They said, oh, we got her. They don't got her. Bitch. But again, CNN exploiting human misery and suffering, showing, and they keep saying, oh, these pictures are very disturbing, which is why they keep showing them. The girl's name is Martha. Well, we know that. We don't know her as mother's name or where the hell she is, that bitch. But How do we know just, that? Huh? How do we know her name is Martha? I don't know how we know her name is Martha. How the hell do I know how we know her name is Martha? Call up the assholes at CNN. Probably her name is Jane, okay? If CNN says her name is Martha, her name is probably Ted. I don't know. But they've shown it over and over. And this woman, they're like in a supermarket parking lot. Maybe your daughter was trying to force her to buy irradiated beef. Something like that. So I downloaded a, a couple of pages here about church and school of Wicca myself. Okay. And I don't know about, see, because you're into all this crap. What, religions? Welcome to the Church and School of Wicca's homepage. Since 1968, we have taught, traveled, and written, sharing, and it harm none, and do as you will. Sounds like my thing, do, uh, DNH, do no harm. Sure, that's why I sent you that thing and circled that, the uh, do no harm part of it. Yeah. I think they stole it from me. Okay. Well, they were first. This website contains materials by and about the Church and School of Wicca, including history, course descriptions, biographies of the founders, instructional tapes for sale, of course, and more. We're always happy to meet with someone else who's interested in exploring witchcraft, the old religion, and its way of life. I told you it was witchcraft. Right. I didn't argue with that. The hell you didn't. What are you talking about? That's where the word comes from. Which comes from the word Wicca. Witchcraft, Wicca craft, is right. also called Wicca, or alternatively, the craft. The craft. This previously underground religion is much to teach every human. This must be something from Passions, from Tabitha <gasps> and uh, Hecuba. This previously underground religion has much to teach every human about survival and about the ethical use of nature's innate powers. The craft is a way of life that investigates every potential that you have. It draws its strength from the diversity of nature itself. Indeed, it rejoices in diversity. Your views and interests are just as valid as anyone else's, and we hope that you too will be a uh, push back the artificial barriers that surround many religious dogmas. As we'll mention several times in this website, witches are not Satanists. The negativity in that offshoot of Christianity is not for positive thinkers such as witches. Well, there you go. So which one do you believe in? Which? We got 85 agnostics, 60 Catholics, atheists 58, Jews 41, 12.5%, Wiccan 32, which I don't believe that for a minute, Protestants 29, born-again Christians 9, Buddhists 5, Muslims 4, Jehovah's Witnesses we got 3. So far we only got one Christian scientist, one lonely Mormon, and one Scientologist, and still not a single Hindu or Sikh. How do you like that? Well, they're busy working. That's shocking to me. That is really depressing. I feel let down. PETA revives anti-mill campaign, targets party schools. Wait, I did something. PETA. State College PA. Got controversy? Question mark it asked. This is on the Associated Press, of course. Boston.com. People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals has revived its anti-milk got beer campaign with ads in four college newspapers. The ads appeared yesterday urging students to abandon dairy in favor of the brewery. <laughs> How do you like that? Peter. This is the first time I can think of that we have seen ads encouraging college students to drink booze. The quarter page ad in Penn State University's The Daily Collegian features a silhouette of a beer bottle and reads, Got beer? Better than milk. Find out more at milksucks.com. <laughs> yeah. 
College students care about cruelty to animals, and they need to know if they're consuming dairy products. They're promoting animal abuse and harming their own health, said Bruce Friedrich, director of vegan outreach for Nor- a Norfolk, uh, Virginia-based organization. PETA first came up with a slogan after a, uh, a spoof of the popular Got Milk campaign two years ago, but it was retired after being criticized by Mothers Against Drunk Driving and other groups. I would think that Mothers Against Drunk Driving would be pretty pissed off at any group that's encouraging uh, college students to be drinking beer, to be drinking that nasty stuff. God. Lisa Ritchie, registered dietitian, assistant professor of family and consumer sciences at Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas, said it was ridiculous. What did I say? Arkansas? What? Said it was ridiculous to claim that drinking beer is healthier than drinking milk. I think really it's a stretch to say that beer is going to be better, that you can't drink milk responsibly, Ritchie said. Beer is an empty calorie food where you can get about 130 calories in a can. It's not a real nutrient-packed substance where milk in an 8-ounce serving get an awful lot of nutrients. Right. Especially since most people are lactose intolerant anyway. Don't be drinking milk, okay? I don't give a crap what that bitch says. Don't be drinking cow's milk. Do what George does. Drink uh, mother's milk. Right on. Or goat's milk. In addition to the Daily Collegian, the ad ran in student papers at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, the University of Colorado in Boulder, and FSU in Tallahassee. Oh, oh my yeah. God! As if those poor kids up there at FSU don't have enough problems to deal with already. They got some serious problems to deal with. And now they got to worry about ads that say, uh, get beer, got beer, get drunk. Like, like they really need to put ads in newspapers encouraging college students to drink beer. Don't you think that's like, of course we know the PETA people are crazy anyway. As if they need any encouragement. That, that, isn't that what I just said? Did you just say that? I just said that. The campaign is targeted at the 10 schools identified by Princeton Review as the nation's top party schools. In addition to Penn State, Indiana, Colorado, and Florida State, the list included Alabama, Buffalo. Everywhere you looked up, nobody ever heard of Buffalo before until this last... Uh, first, we found these uh, seven scumbags or eight or whatever, and they got six of them in Buffalo. You know what I'm saying? Right. And now we got uh, every other nasty story. Well, they're taking a little heat off Miami. Now it's Buffalo that blows. At the further review, Buffalo still sucks. Oh! Clemson, Florida, New Hampshire, and Wisconsin. So even those Gator people now, instead of drinking Gatorade, they're going to be drinking Budweiser. They're not going to be drinking Budweiser. They'll be drinking Miller Lite. Peter also planned to run the ad at the University of Pennsylvania. I guess college students don't drink light beer, huh? They drink cheap beer. Maybe maybe fat. Uh, Meisterbrow wasn't cheap. That's what I drank in college. Lots of Meisterbrow was cheap. It was? Sure. How do you know that? Because I bought it, too. Pete is also planning to run the end at the University of Pennsylvania in five schools. Princeton Review identified as Stone Cold Sober, Brigham Young, Wheaton College, and the Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard Academies. The Daily uh, Universe at Brigham Young and the Daily Pennsylvania Independent refused to run the ad. It has nothing to do with PETA, nothing to do with the fact that it refers to alcohol, said Matthew Mugmon, executive director of the Daily Pennsylvania. It really was a wording issue without getting into the specifics. Mothers Against Drunk Driving as well renewed its criticism of the campaign. Wendy Hamilton, president of MAD, she's mad as hell and not going to take it anymore, cited recent studies about binge drinking on campus and called the ad irresponsible. And she's right. In other words, so the, so the choices are, if you're not going to drink milk, drink beer. These PETA people are by, it says it's absolutely ridiculous. It's an irresponsible recycled publicity stunt that literally puts cows before kids. It's appalling, she said. I guess she hasn't seen some of today's kids, speaking of cows. You ever see any of those unhappy meals that they were circulating at the McDonald's playgrounds for a while there, the PETA people? Yes. Crazy. It, was, it wasn't enough that they were picking on that poor Oscar Mayer mobile. Friedrich said those who focus on the pro-beer aspect are missing the point. He said that in addition to dairy products being unhealthy, the dairy industry is cruel to cattle. The animals are in chronic pain, he said. They put animals on a constant cycle of impregnation. A third of the animals are sent to slaughter every year because their bodies are worn out, and then they're turned to hamburger. 
Are they irradiated, though? Mm-hmm. Their babies are taken away from them within a couple of days of birth, often within a couple hours of birth, and you can hear these animals, the babies and their mothers, wailing in agony. Larry Hutchinson, a professor of veterinary science at Penn State, disputed that. There's some transient anxiety, both for mother and for baby, Hutchinson said, but provided the baby, in this case the calf, has fed an adequate diet and provided uh, for as far as environment, the period of stress is rather short-lived, a matter of hours. And then, of course, we go on to make some delicious veal. Mmm. Mm. Wow. Love my veal, baby. Mm. Nobody's going to take my veal away from me. Slice thin. As a matter of fact, right after the show today, I'm going to go out and get me some veal parmesan. How do you like that, huh? Just just to tell those PETA people to shove it, okay? Take your uh, cows and stick them where the moon don't shine. That's it. You got it. Take you a little baby cow and... 1127, am I getting a little emotional about that? Because I hate those people. I can't stand them. Lunatics. I mean, they, you know, those are the same kind of people that take maybe some valid points and they make them so outrageous and outlandish and carry them to such an extreme that no. So in other words, they do more harm than they do good, if you catch my drift. And they'll never tell you your, uh, their real agenda, which is the non-use of any animal for any reason whatsoever, period. I see. Well, don't tell the Chinese that. Don't take away their rat poison. And their dogs. Mattress shopping, baby. There's one way to do it that's smart. That's making one easy phone call. Even an idiot can do that. 1-800-MATTRESS. Just write that number down right now. Jot it on your wrist. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. When you call that number, you'll be connected immediately to an expert betting consultant whose only job is to hook you up with the best name brand mattress at an unbeatable price and to get you delivered when uh, you want to. In other words, when you're going to be home. It's an unbeatable deal all the way around, and they got all the top brands in the world. they got Serta, Sealy, Simmons, King Coil. If you want a twin, a king, a queen, whatever kind of bed you like to sleep on, whichever brand, whichever kind, whichever style, you want the real high ones, you need a ladder to get on, whatever you want, they got it for, for ready for immediate delivery, just about any two-hour window, any day of the week, seven days a week, when you're going to be there instead of sitting around praying, hoping that somebody might show up. And also you get that 30-day in-home comfort guarantee so you can test your mattress the only smart way, the only way to test it out when in doubt is to sleep on it and bounce around and do obscene things on it. So if you want to get you a great new mattress and a super night's sleep for years to come, do what I always do. Call the experts at Dial a Mattress toll-free, 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on that worldwide wicked web at mattress.com. Live, Live and local, we're Sports Radio 560 QAM. I remember my first high school dance. Hey, do you want to dance? Get lost, loser. I felt so out of place. I was a 98-pound weakling. I tried out for the football team. They didn't want nothing to do with me. I even tried out for the girls' softball team, and they beat the crap out of me. But then I discovered milk, and I kept on drinking, and I kept on, and I kept on, and I kept on. And now, after four years of drinking milk... It's graduation time, and I'm still a 98-pound weakling. That's why I'm up here on this water tower with this high-powered rifle. Hey, congratulations! Screw milk! It don't do a damn thing! I got your milk right here, pal! Screw milk! Ah! 11.33 at 5.60. There was a guy on a show, a, a Canadian show the other day. I have no idea what channel it was on. Not that it makes any difference who was carrying on like a lunatic. They were having a big debate about milk. And he was carrying on like a maniac about how uh, most people are lactose intolerant and that milk and dairy products, like a lot of cheese, which unfortunately I eat, are the main causes mm-hmm. of prostate cancer. Really? And that if people would just stop eating dairy products, that the incidence of prostate cancer would like uh, almost disappear, is what he said. How do you like that? Don't forget the cheese. <laughs> Arrested Delray Priest now faces federal sex charge. Oi! 
The federal prosecutor put a book, a rabbi in prison last year for soliciting sex from teenage boys over the Internet, took aim yesterday a Roman Catholic priest arrested last week on a similar charge. Federal prosecutors unsealed a criminal complaint yesterday against the Reverend Elias Guinamari, Guinamarius, 43, remember him? No. Oh, maybe you were out sick that day that I had the story. Of Our Lady Queen of Peace Mission, West of Delray Beach, hours after he had a bond hearing before Palm Beach County Circuit Court Judge Marvin Mounts. Assistant U.S. Attorney Lothrop Morris moved swiftly to get a federal charge filed against Guimaraes. Before bail could be sent, he could be freed. The filing of the federal charge also raises the stakes in the case. It is punishable by up to 15 years in prison, while the state charge is punishable by up to five. In the morning, morning hearing, Mounts listened to the prosecution and defense. He listened and said he would issue an order in late afternoon. That's today. He said Guimaraes bail at $10,000, put him under house arrest, and forbade him to have unsupervised contact with children or access to a, access to a computer. Following all of this, because I'm yes. sure not, all of that became moot when U.S. Magistrate Judge Linnea Johnson signed a federal warrant detaining Guimaraes without bail and keeping him in Palm Beach County Jail. Guimaraes is scheduled to be back in court today, this time in front of Johnson in U.S. District Court in West Palm Beach. He'll be informed of the charge and date will be set for a federal bond hearing. Well, we already had his story last week. That's enough of that. Here's another guy that was kind of like old news. Couldn't even knock off Mayor Pinga Pekini in our poll as the most evil man in South Florida. I'll give you ten clues as to who this story is about. And the first 15 don't count. He's kind of like a hit-and-run guy, you know? He mm -hmm. gets his thing in Blockbuster, and then he runs, you know, and then he gets his sure. thing with the, the Panthers, and he runs off, and the makes Marlins... His, makes and he... his buck and then drops it. Right. Billionaire H. Wayne Hypinga stepping down as chairman of AutoNation, Inc. The second chairmanship he's relinquished in a week as he seeks to return to his entrepreneurial roots. Oh, maybe he's going to go back to collecting garbage. Heisinga said yesterday that AutoNation CEO Mike Jackson will replace him as the auto retailer's chairman on January 1. That allows Heisinga's announcement on September 13 that he'll retire at the year's end as chairman of Republic Services, Inc. Heisinga will stay on as a member of the board of directors at both companies. He remains the chairman and chief executive of Boca Resorts, Inc. and of South Carolina-based Extended Stay America, Inc. That Boca Resorts, Inc. started out as Florida Panthers at uh, whatever it was stock. And then all of a sudden it uh, magically turned into Boca Resorts Inc. into a hotel stock, et cetera, and so on. Heising has long dominated South Florida's corporate culture, amassing fame and fortune by leading Wall Street Titans Auto Nation Blockbuster Entertainment Corp. Before that, he helped build Waste Management Inc. in Chicago. You know what we're talking about? Waste management? Yeah, in Chicago, no. But Heisinga, who turned 65 in December, said he wants to shift his focus from corporate management. I want to be out of the road making deals and investing, he said. And like I've said before, how much is enough, Wayne? When do you have enough to be out, not to be out there making deals and wheeling and squealing and uh, et cetera? Heisinger declined to comment on specific investments, but through his actions, beginning with last October's sale of almost half his 32 million auto nation shares and his recent public comments, he has signaled his interest in creating a business concept to rival Blockbuster and auto nation. Whether we'll find another waste management or Blockbuster or AutoNation or extended say again, I don't know. The chances of doing something like that again are probably quite slim, Hypinga said, who uses Fort Lauderdale-based Hypinga Holdings as an investment vehicle. But that doesn't mean we're not out there looking. He's looking. He's going to outdo himself. Bigger and better and more gigantic and put more little people out of business. boy, Wayne. Not another pre-story here. Yes. What do you mean, yes? Oh, I boxed one, I thought. Oh, I just reached back and picked it up. Woman pleads guilty to state charges she arranged for Waterbury Mayor to have sex with children. Is that the one? No, that's a different No, that's a different A convicted prostitute pleaded guilty uh, Wednesday to state charges that she helped arrange sexual encounters between former Waterbury, Connecticut, Mayor Philip Giordano and her young daughter and niece. 
The 31-year-old woman had pleaded guilty to federal charges last week. As part of her plea agreement, she admitted a Wednesday in Waterbury Superior Court to charges of conspiracy and risk of injury to a minor. The woman said nothing in court, but prosecutors revealed details of her statements to authorities, providing a look into the government's case against the Giordano, the three-term mayor and Republican nominee for U.S. Senate in 2000. Not a good Republican. Westbury State's attorney, John Conley, said Giordano paid the woman about 50 bucks to arrange oral sex with the... Oh, oh, oh no. Yes. Westbury State's attorney, John Conley, said Giordano paid the woman about $50 to arrange oral sex with the 9- and 11-year-old girls on about 15 different occasions while he was mayor. The woman's admitted bringing one or both of the girls to the mayor's office, Giordano's former law office, his former home in Waterbury, a condominium in the city, and his car for sex, she said. Because the girls had no knowledge of sex, he also showed uh, she showed them uh, what to do. She's indicated that she's a crack addict. She's uh, indicated she was addicted to drugs. She did it for the money. The AP is not identifying the woman because of her relationship to a to the sexual assault victim. That is, that could be the sickest yep. story. Man. Yeah. Diocese of Lexington announced yesterday it was issuing a one-year suspension to two Catholic priests who pleaded guilty to charges of exposing themselves at Jacobson Park. The Reverends Kenneth P. Waybill and William G. Poole, no relation to a pocket, have resigned their parishes at uh, parish post at the diocese request, church officials said yesterday. Waybill, pastor of St. Joseph Parish, uh, in Winchester, and Poole won't be kicked out of the priesthood, but they must refrain from public ministry for a year, according to a statement released by Diocese spokesman Thomas F. Shaughnessy. Oh, don't you love that name, Shaughnessy? Good Irish Catholic boy? Aye. The punishment is subject to review in six months if Pope John Paul II appoints a new bishop to head the Lexington Diocese. Ah, there you go. That's, that's not too exciting. Former, uh, rather, Forsu, former Ohio priest over alleged abuse. Three men and a 12-year-old boy. See, here's another one of these stories. They keep telling us, oh, no, it's just fags with teenagers. It's just those chicken queens. See, the chicken hawks are in Washington now. You know, Rumsfeld and Cheney and that crowd. Three men and a 12-year-old boy sued two Roman Catholic dioceses yesterday, saying they were abused by a priest who was dismissed in Youngstown, later hired by the Saginaw, Michigan diocese. Isn't that where, uh, what's his name was from? Who? Question mark from a question mark of the Mysterian, Saginaw, Michigan. Remember that? Yes, of course. The civil lawsuit was the eighth of its kind filed in two days in Ohio by Jeff Anderson, a St. Paul, Minnesota attorney whose firm has said it handled more than 500 cases of abuse by clergy in 20 years. While many sexual abuse allegations against Ohio priests are from the 60s to 80s, the Michigan boy in the latest lawsuit said he was abused as recently as last year. The Reverend John E. Hammer and both the Youngstown and Saginaw Diocese are named in the lawsuit according to Mahoning County Common Pleas Judge uh, R. Scott Kirschenbaum. Hammer 49 announced his resignation from the pulpit of St. Mary Church in Alma April 27th after the allegations from Youngstown emerged. He had been pastor at churches in Alma and nearby St. Louis, Michigan, in the Saginaw Diocese. Steve Catalano and the other two men, now in their 30s, say they were abused in the Youngstown Diocese starting in 1979. Catalano's hometown was not available. Anderson said the 12-year-old boy was abused in 2001 while attending St. Mary in Alma. 12-year-old boy. We rest our case. 19 till noon at 560 WQM. Boy, I'll tell you, it's a long show today, you know what? I don't know. I'm kind of liking it. <clears throat> I'm not saying I'm not liking it. It just seems to me like it's 19 till 1. Don't, don't you think it's 19 till 1? It ought to be. I think move. up there, like in, in uh, Nova Scotia or somewhere, it's like, uh, in fact, there, there are some places where it's like an hour and a half difference. Are yeah, you aware of that? I think that is Nova Scotia. Where it's I'll, be, hour, I'll be danged. Hour and a half difference up there. Well, they're a little strange up there, eh? It's a weird concept. Just ask my friend Wally Hennessy. He'll tell you about those folks, eh? How's it going, eh, Wally? Wally, oh, there goes that other horse by. There goes Varen right on by like you're you and Moneymaker, like you're standing still. Well, that's okay. Nice try, baby. 
Hey, with your busy lifestyle, and you need all the energy you can to feel healthy, especially in the tremendous humidity and all the crap that goes on in South Florida, the hurricanes and the rain and the with the rain and the wind in your hair. I'm playing that by Pat Boone a little later, aren't I? No. Oh. Anyway, Oleomed can help you stay in good health because it contains all kind of good stuff for you. Pharmaceutical-grade olive oil along with vitamins and minerals and herbals and a little soft gel capsule. And there's a separate Oleomed product for separate parts of your health. They make one for your Blood pressure, your heart, your cholesterol, your prostate, your circulatory system, digestive and endocrine system, your skin and bones. There's even an oleomed capsule designed to help your mind, and believe me, it couldn't hurt. All using the benefits of the finest, purest olive oil anywhere, and oleomed makes products for men and women as well. It's an outstanding, new, exciting product that's helped thousands of men and women all over town stay fit, and you can do the same thing by picking up some today at Whole Food Markets, Walgreens, Sedano's, or Navarro Pharmacies. For more information, just call oleomed at their toll-free number, 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 866-OLEOMED, and you can get more information and order this great new product on their website at oleomedamerica.com. Live and local, this is Sports Radio 560, QAM. Have a million-dollar weekend. All right. Seven forty-seven at five sixty WQM. You know we left something off our list today. Uh oh, what? Our poor Japanese listeners out there have got nowhere to go. Shinto. Oh, the Shintos, right? You better add that on there, Eric. Shinto. You think uh, Eric's on top of it? Eric, let us forget that he's married to a nice Japanese lady. Isn't that something? Because he's not paying attention. He's busy. He's got a full plate. All he's working on it right now. Because <laughs> his mommy told him clean off that plate, baby. Every last crumb. He licks the plate as well. I'm hearing. That's that's the rumor up there. He licks it. But anyway, Eric, got to put Shinto on there because, in fact, I'm, if his wife finds out that he left that off of there, he's in big trouble all weekend. I like their beans. Beans? Shinto beans. 374 votes. Hindu, well, look at this. We got the, uh, see, I don't believe that. Five, six, all of a sudden. Well, Hindu one, Scientologist, we got a pair. Two Mormons, two Christian scientists, three Jehovah's Witnesses. Four are Muslims and a partridge in a pear tree. Five, six, I guess that's possible. Six Buddhists, 11 born-again Christians, 34 Wiccans. Have you ever met a Wiccan? Yes. I told you. I wasn't lying. I know several. You know several Wiccans? Sure. Carlos knows really? a Wiccan, he said. Carlos is a Wiccan? He knows one. Carlos is a Wiccan? I'm going to get that money taken back. He's going to start making uh, wicked spells like uh, Tabitha from Passions around that building. Get that green slime going, Carlos. It can't hurt. I'll give you some names, okay? Protestant, 35. Jews, 43, 11.4%. Catholic, 65, 17.2%. Atheist, 69. And agnostics, 92. You put those two together, it's like 45% of the audience. It's getting closer and closer to half. The audience are uh, non-believers in the fairy tales, which is great. Oh! I like that. It's moving up all the time. Oh, you're going to love this story. Okay. This is one of my favorites. Proof of person of interest sought. This is in USA Today. 
A U.S. senator has asked Attorney General John Ascroft to explain his repeated description of former Army scientist Stephen Hatfield as a person of interest in the probe in last year's deadly anthrax attacks. In a letter to Ascroft on Wednesday, Senator Chuck Grassley, Republican of Iowa, sought written proof of the existence of Justice Department policies that define the term person of interest and explain its use. Veteran FBI agents say they're unfamiliar with the term. Ascroft has used it in news conferences and in several TV appearances to explain the focus on Hatfield, 48, a former researcher at the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases at Fort Detrick, Maryland. Hatfield was one of about 40 scientists in the U.S. that had access to both anthrax and expertise in how to handle it. Grassley, a frequent FBI critic, said he has no views about the FBI's focus on Hatfield. It's important that the government act according to laws, rules, policies, and procedures rather than make arbitrary decisions that affect individuals he uh, Individual citizens, he said. Brian Sierra, a Justice Department spokesman, declined comment on his request. Pat Clausen, a spokesman for Hatfield, said Grassley's questions are right on target and go to the core of the abuses of civil liberties here. Traditionally, the FBI has used such terms as suspect, subject, and target to describe people under investigation. The terms are used at different stages of a probe and differ legally. A USA Today search of the U.S. Attorney's Manual, the Handbook for Federal Prosecutors, on the Justice Department's website Wednesday yielded no hits on the term person of interest. Huh. How do you like that? They couldn't find it. The manual contains several references to suspects, subjects, and targets. A suspect is used generally to describe anyone who comes under suspicion by law enforcement. A subject is defined as a person whose conduct is within the scope of a grand jury probe. A target is a person as to whom the prosecutor of the grand jury has substantial evidence linking him or her to the commission of a crime. Grassley asked Ascroft to provide examples of others who have been publicly named in the past three years as a person of interest in an investigation. The senator also requested about justices information about their policy on seeking the removal of a person from a department-funded program. Nice going there, Senator Grassley. Good old Republican. You know who, which one that is? Yep. The, the old coot with the glasses. Nice going there. Coot. He's an old coot. He's a like wrinkled-up old coot, but he's a good guy. Good old Chuck. I always call, call him by name Chuck. Death taxes and a miracle in Naples. I think that it's approaching noon now. It's Friday. I think this is an appropriate time for this story. The substance many Neapolitans believe is the dried blood of their patron saint liquefied right on cue Thursday in a twi twice-yearly year miracle. I'm, I'm so tongue-tied I can't even read this. In a twice-yearly miracle. Thousands of faithful crammed into Naples Cathedral. Now, this isn't Naples, Florida. The only miracle over there, according to Bob Vermouth, is that the Beasleys have an IQ enough to get out of bed in the morning. That's what he told me. This is Naples, Italy. Thousands of faithful crammed into Naples Cathedral to see the blood of the 4th century Saint Gennaro turn from... Is that like related to Maria Gennaro, do you think? No. Who's on TV doing news in Buffalo here? Saint Gennaro turned from powder to liquid, which they see as a good omen for the city and the world. Let's hear it! Oh! All right! The miracle has been recorded almost without fail for the past 600 years. On September 19th, the Saint's Feast Day, and the first Saturday in May. When the blood has remained dry, tragedies have followed. Scientists have confirmed that the substance inside the closed vial is blood, but can't explain why it regularly turns to liquid. Cardinal Michel Giordano told the congregation this year's miracle was especially good because the blood had liquefied in less than an hour. Really good omen. It's an extraordinary event also because you can see clearly that the blood has changed color. That's with an O-U-R, like that. <laughs> and there's more. Well, no, this is from uh, CBS oh, no. News. You have to say color. No, well, why does CBS News spell it that way? It's not a Canadian thing. It's not a British thing. This is some uh, Guido over there. Anyway, it's an extraordinary event because you can clearly see the blood has changed color and there's more of it, Giordano said, holding up the glass vial. In 1998, Giordano was under investigation. <laughs> ah, here we go. Here we come with the good stuff, okay? Speaking of blood money, 
1998, Giordano was under investigation for loan sharking, extortion, and criminal association. That year, the blood appeared to liquefy after thousands of Neapolitans carried a statue of the saint through the central streets of the city and then celebrated Mass in the cathedral. The miracle served to spark immediate impassioned debate among Italians over whether it was a sign of divine favor for the cardinal in his loan sharking case. <laughs> Disaster has struck at least five times after the blood failed to liquefy. In 1527, the plague killed 40,000 people, and more recently, in November of 1980, some 3,000 people died in a massive earthquake that struck southern Italy. How do you like that? So it's, it's good for the public, and it's good for his uh, criminal charges, too. The good cardinal. Article says gays should not be priests, speaking of the Vatican and Italy in that neck of the woods. A staff member of an influential Vatican office has published an article arguing that gays should not be ordained as priests in the wake of the clerical sex abuse scandal. If a man is gay, then he should not be admitted to holy orders, and his presence in the seminary would not only give him false hope, but it may in fact hinder the therapy he needs, Monsignor Edward Baker of the Congregation of Bishops wrote. Reached by phone in Rome, Baker would not immediately say whether his supervisors reviewed or approved the article before it was printed in the Jesuit magazine America due out Monday. However, church observers say Baker's arguments were evidence of the Holy See's views on homosexuality at a critical time for the Roman Catholic Church. Maricon, Maricon, that's what he was saying under his breath, Maricon. The Congregation for Bishops is one of the most important offices in the Vatican because it deals with bishop conferences, and it also recommends names to the Pope to appoint bishops around the world, said the Reverend Thomas Reese. No relation to Bobby Reeser, editor of the New York-based magazine. No relation to Harvey Reese. I think the article helps us understand the thinking of at least some people in the Vatican on the question of ordaining gay men. Baker frames the article by noting that the church and society have focused partly on the role of homosexuality in the clerical sex abuse scandal. He then asked whether a man with predominantly homosexual tendencies should be allowed to join the clergy. Most of the victims of molestation by priests have been adolescent boys. See, there we go with that lie again. Yes. Any of these stories we had today, were there like adolescent boys involved nope. in them? I don't, I don't think any of them. They were all like 9 and 12 and 13, which uh, I don't know. Maybe we're just getting some bad information. Experts on sex offenders say there is no credible evidence that homosexuals are more likely than heterosexuals to abuse children, but several church leaders have concluded that gay clergy are to blame for the scandal that has plagued the American church this year. In other words, they're a good scapegoat, as usual. The Vatican is reviewing the new discipline policy for abusive priests that the U.S. bishops approved three months ago. The church teaches that homosexuality is a disorder, not a sin, but engaging in gay sex is sinful, they said. They enjoy it, but it's sinful. I mean, if nobody committed no sins, then what would be the purpose of confession, right? Of course. Estimates of the number of homosexuals in seminaries vary dramatically from 10% to 50%. 90. Within several months. 95. Within several months, the Vatican team will start evaluating all U.S. seminaries. An issue of gay studying for the priesthood is expected to be a top issue. Early on in the scandal, Pope John Paul II spokesman publicly questioned whether gays should be ordained. John Paul told visiting Brazilian bishops September 5th that men with obvious signs of deviations must be barred from becoming priests, alluding to the crisis in the church. Baker is a priest of the Diocese of Allentown, Pennsylvania, and one of about 20 staffers at the Congregation of Bishops. He argued that even celibate gays may not be good candidates for the priesthood. He worried that homosexuals would have difficulty remaining celibate in the all-male seminary environment and would struggle with or deny church teaching on homosexuality. He also, I guess, uh, gay people also shouldn't be in college in all male dormitories. Right. Well, good thing. Good thing they got COVID dorms now, Don't and it's certainly not in locker rooms. Yes. He also said gays may be more familiar with certain patterns and techniques of deception and repression as they learn to survive in a predominantly heterosexual world, hurting their spiritual development. It may be that a man could be healed of such a disorder and then could be considered for mission of the seminary and possibly the holy orders. He wrote, but not while being afflicted with the disorder. Not by, while being afflicted with that thing, with that uh, faggy thing. 
They can heal you. They can help you with that, you know. Yeah, heal this. It okay. the laying on of hands. Heal this, Father. Physician, heal thyself. Remember that? Uh-huh. I don't know too many physicians who could heal themselves when you come right down to it. 11.56 at 5.60 WQM. Our big noon to one hour is coming up. It seems like I've been here only like 20 hours today. I don't know why that is. I don't know. Seems like I've been here like for a coon's age today. But the weeks are going by fast, though. Yeah. The weeks are flying by. Before you know it, I'll be back there. Oh. New Balance of South Florida covers all your athletic and footwear needs. If you need new athletic shoes for cross-training, running, cross-dressing, walking, weightlifting, any other of your activities down there, New Balance of South Florida has got you covered and your feet covered as well. In fact, they've come up with a revolutionary concept. When you go in there, they still measure it the old-fashioned way, the length of it, the width of it, and your foot, too. With all the other brands of shoes, if they don't fit, you have to go to another model or type, but not with New Balance. New Balance has got athletic shoes that give you the best possible fit from infant all the way up to size 20. They can't even fit Tom Welling. New Balance of South Florida has got styles and shoes and widths of shoes that you can only find before in catalogs or by mail order. New Balance is your one-stop shop, and if for any reason in the world they need to special order your shoes because they're not in stock, they'll do it at no extra charge. You'll have them in no time at all. Make a run to New Balance of South Florida in the Aventura Mall, Pinecrest, Boca Town Center, and now coming in November to their newest location in Palm Beach Gardens. All right. If your feet could thank you, they would for schlepping them over to New Balance. My, my and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Well, now I do believe it be the one to twelve hour. Well, I never thought I'd find the kind of ride that I've been tooling around in today. Now, if the classic set of wheels fixed up the way a brother would like it. Now, if they're clean and shiny and the drip is cold and it dies under my seat, I've got a can of liquid cherry yolk. Aw, baby. Coconut, granada, cherry, chariot, me, baby blue. Aw, baby. Shiny little velvet little smelly machine took the suspension out, so I bounced down the road in a big daddy super flyway. Now if they hard to stop, no big deal, someday I'll get around to fixing the brakes. A 1979 Mom Bone Catalina, she's so looking fine, now it's my baby Cadillac. Aw, baby. Coconut, granada, cherry, chariot, me, baby, Stop, baby. Shiny little building, little smelly machine. Yo. I got my windows down on a hot summer day Cause the AC don't work no way The sweaty crash fell off seat starts to smell And gets the dusty working overtime now On my back seat you find the shiny ground that smell like lime Max my coffee shiny too cause I've been washing it with Amarol Aw oh, baby Coconut, granada, cherry, cherry, baby Aw baby Microscopic wheels going over speed bumps and too smooth. Ah, baby. Fresh my law interior, be fancy to me, baby. Ah, baby. See, I'm hooked now. The segue between that uh, shoe pro noodle one hour and that tar baby. It's such a perfect, it's so smooth, you know what I mean? It'd be really smooth. 
1203 at 560 WQM. Happy Friday afternoon to you. Now, the first, the beginning of this story is kind of interesting, the choice of words they use. Let me just read you the first few words. A furor over an alleged remark by Germany's justice minister. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I get it. A furor over an alleged remark by Germany's justice minister comparing George W. Bush to Nazi dictator Adolf Hitler is escalating on the last full day of campaigning before Sunday's election. Hertha Daubler-Gmelin's comments to a group of labor union members on Wednesday allegedly saying the U.S. president was going after Saddam Hussein in order to divert attention from domestic problems has sparked a media frenzy. Although I think that part of it, she may have a pretty good point. That's a popular method. Even Hitler did that, German newspaper Schwabisches Tagblatt quoted her as saying. How do you pronounce that paper again? <laughs> you don't want to know. The row is threatening to damage Chancellor Gerhard Schroeder just two days before a cliffhanger election, as polls show Schroeder just a shade ahead of conservative challenger Edmund Stoiber. Newspaper editorials and opposition parties are demanding the resignation of Daubler Gemellen, who has denied the remarks. Justice Ministry spokesman Thomas Weber, grilled by journalists with a dog in his last scene before the resignation of Defense Minister Rudolf Scharping in July, has repeatedly denied that the minister made the comparison. Ms. Dobler-Gemellen talked to the U.S. ambassador on the phone this morning to clarify that the reports have no basis, he told a news conference. An editorial in Bild, Germany's biggest-selling newspaper, states, a cabinet member who makes such comparisons and doesn't apologize should be fired, if not by the chancellor, then by voters. This shows what Schroeder and his social democrats really think of our American allies. Thomas Goppel, an aide to Schroeder's conservative challenger, Edmund Stoiber, told the AP. Schroeder said he doubts that she made the remark, but added there would be no place in his cabinet for somebody who's made such a comparison. U.S. Senator Jesse Helms of North Carolina, the ranking Republican on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, said the German chancellor has damaged German relations with the U.S. in a way that cannot be easily repaired. He added Congress should consider withdrawing U.S. forces from their bases in Germany if Schroeder wins re-election and Germany fails to join a constructive dialogue on Iraq. Oh, yeah. Isn't that interesting how we're running around warning everybody yeah, nice, now? Nice threat. Mm-hmm. Stoiber, premier of the wealthy state of Bavaria, Oh, I do like Bavarian cream pie, mm. is uh, due to hold a final evening rally in Berlin tonight before heading back to his state capital of Munich on Saturday. Well, good luck to them, Nazi bastards. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. We have a lot of good German friends out there. No. U.S. abandons effort on germ war treaty. This is in the Boston Globe. It's uh, more of the same crap. The Bush administration has abandoned an international effort to strengthen the Biological Weapons Convention against germ warfare, advising its allies that the U.S. wants to delay further discussions until 2006. A review conference on new verification measures for the treaty had been scheduled for November. Less than a year after the State Department envoy abruptly pulled out of a biowarfare negotiations in Geneva, promising that the U.S. would return with new proposals, the administration has concluded that treaty revisions favored by the European Union and scores of other countries will not work and should not be salvaged, administration officials said yesterday. The decision, which has been conveyed to allies in recent weeks, has been greeted with warnings that the move will weaken attempts to curb germ warfare programs at a time when biological weapons are a focus of concern because of the war on terrorism and the administration's threats to launch a military campaign against Iraq. It also comes as the administration, which has angered allies by rejecting a series of multilateral agreements, is appealing to the international community to work with it in forging a new U.N. Security Council resolution on Iraq's programs to develop weapons of mass destruction. The 1972 Biological Weapons Convention, which has been ratified by the U.S. and 143 other countries, bans the development, stockpiling, and production of germ warfare agents, but has no enforcement mechanism. Amy Smithson, a biological and chemical weapons specialist, said the administration is making a mistake by halting collaborative work to strengthen the convention. Not a day goes by when they don't mention the Iraq threat, she said. That's right. Well, it's dangerous, but we can wait. Right. In fact, there was... a. Uh, Hermann Gehring, uh, Rumsfeld, just the other day, uh, cooking up that thing in front of Congress. That, that, that was a disgrace, that smallpox scenario. Yeah. 
But, hey, listen, the boogeyman's got smallpox, and, of course, it's an interchangeable boogeyman. One day it's this one, the next day it's that one. One day it's Osama Yamama, the next day it's Saddam. Whichever one is the boogeyman of the du jour. French government to seek return of Nazi war criminal to prison, speaking of Nazis. The French government said yesterday, and, of course, there's been a big flap about this. First they let him out. And, of course, the French, as we know, never met a dictator. They never met a uh, terrorist. They never met a Nazi that uh, they didn't like, the French. Always a good haven. You always read about some scumbag who's hanging out on the French Riviera. Yep, they love him. The French government yesterday said it would seek to overturn the decision to free Maurice Papon, although we do like his mustard. The highest-ranking French civilian ever be convicted of Nazi war crimes in WW2, with support from both President Jacques Chirac and Prime Minister Jean-Pierre Raffarin, Justice Minister Dominique Prebin ordered the state prosecutor in Paris to seek the reversal of the decision by a three-judge appeals court panel on Wednesday to release Mr. Papon, 92, from prison because of his age and poor health. Public opinion is troubled, Mr. Perrin told RTL Radio, adding that President Chirac felt the strong emotions of those directly involved in this affair. In other words, he's feeling the heat, baby. Mr. Chirac's new center-right government is especially concerned that the release will spark public protests in France over the freeing of a Nazi war criminal and fuel the perception abroad, especially in the U.S., that France is anti-Semitic. No, it's not a perception, okay? It's a reality. One legal basis for an appeal is a court test of law passed last March that allows prisoners to go free if two doctors agree they suffer from fatal illness or their health is jeopardized in prison. Bernard Kauschner, former health minister who championed the new law, said that it had been misused in the Pepon case. He said the law was intended to help convicts with life-threatening illnesses like AIDS or cancer to get proper treatment unavailable in prison. We've been trapped by our own generosity, Dr. Kostner told Europe One Radio. Mr. Papon was serving a 10-year sentence for signing the deportation orders for more than 1,500 Jews while he was an administrator in Bordeaux under the pro-Nazi Vichy regime. He was freed Wednesday in photos of him walking unaided on a prison-prompted protest from some Jewish groups that he was not as ill as doctors said. And then when he started playing like basketball and running around and doing like a laps, they said, well, just a second here. Hold your hosses. Oh, after the break, I'm going to take the break like a little bit early. Okay. David E. Sanger writes in the New York Times today, Bush to outline doctrine of striking foes first. This is what's going to get everybody with wild diarrhea over the weekend because we're changing our whole concept of the way the world works now and our role in it. Now we're going to be the aggressor, wherever, whenever and wherever the hell we feel like it. How do you like that? We're going to go get him, boy. Oh! So anybody that says he was a cowboy, I think maybe they had a point, you know? Yeah. We want him dead or alive, baby. The old gunslinger, W. Ten minutes past noon. The, don't forget the QM panel will be out of CarMax, located in Miami, just off the 836 at 1300 Northwest 83rd. Uh, uh, what is it? I, I can't read that number. I've got like a mental block on that. Why is it's that? a big number. Oh, I see. 1300 North, 98th Court, tomorrow, 11 to 1. Stop by to win our crappy prizes and free food. Excellent free food. Crappy prizes, but good food. Can't have everything. From Atlantic City Subs, where the bread makes the difference, and our good friend Ira, too. I don't even remember the other guy's name anymore. I do, but I don't want to say it. Oh, don't say it. Dred Scott. Ten minutes after noon at 560 WQM, we got the Mad Dog at one. The Hank with a full four-hour show today. Oh, oh my hey. God. This man. <laughs> I had to go into training. I think this is the Hopper's first four-hour four show in uh, months, isn't it? Um, and you know what I think, think about guys that don't, uh, you know, pull the full time. The Elias of West Boca, your official Atkins Dodd Retail Center, reminds you that all Atkins brand products are 25% off every day of your life. Delights carries the complete line of Atkins Dodd products, as well as over 500 delicious low-carbon, sugar-free foods, as reported recently in the New York Times, on CNN, in Newsweek, Time Magazine, U.S. News and World Report, your weekly reader, Dateline NBC, and CBS News. The Atkins Dodd continues to be one of today's most popular and successful diets. Low-carb dieting is finally getting some of the respect it deserves, and Delights of West Boca has been the leader in the low-carb, sugar-free diet field for a coon's age. Over 100,000 of their customers will testify. There just ain't no better store. There's no competition. Delights will not be undersold. 
and you can sample anything from their incredible selection, too. You can try it before you buy it, before you pop it in your puss and pay for it. you got to like that. Delight's friendly and knowledgeable staff will walk you through the store, point you in the right direction, and cheer you on. They'll stand around and applaud big time as the pounds just come <laughs> flying off your fat, disgusting body. Don't forget, there's only one Delight's of West Boca. You'll find them uh, on the northeast corner of Glades in 441 in Boca, open seven days a week till 10 p.m. Call their uh, toll-free number at 1-877-LOW-CARB. That's 1-877-LOW-CARB. Am I getting a little confused with this copy? No. Okay, good. Call 1-877-LOW-CARB or check their website and forget about what I'm saying at lowcarb.com. Live and local, this is 560. The radio's all yours. QAM. Friday, you bastard. 560 WQAM presents the Opie and Anthony Show with Mo Howard Davidson. This is Opie. And I'm Anthony. Yeah, wait a minute. It's me with the low voice. Oh. Yeah, you got the affected point. Okay. <clears throat> hi, Anthony. Yeah, hi, Opie. And uh, let's not forget our old pal Mo Howard David. Yeah, I was wondering how long it would take for you two punks to get around for me. Oh, that really hit the big time, huh? Here I am with the Opie on Anthony. Hey, Mo. What? Take off your pants. Yeah, we're going to rape you now. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. This is a family show. Ah, uh, wrong. This is the Go Pee on Anthony show. Now, come on, stretch. I thought you guys only did that in church. Yeah. Hey, get your hands out of there. Get out of there. Shut up and submit. Them's my delicates. Oh, Don't touch my delicates. I'm tender. <laughs> Why does everybody want to rape me? Why, because we think it's funny, that's why. Yeah, and you got a nice back. Oh, I got news for you, Pally. I'm still spraying. Why, I ought to marvelize you. Oh. Okay. Oh. I got his hands tied, Opie. Oh. Oh. Want the red ball? Oh, not for this. All right, my open wide for Chunky. Let's sing that together now, shall we? Okay. Open wide for Chunky. Uh. So they're showing again that uh, beating the woman, uh, beating the mother, beating the little daughter, four-year-old girl, over and over and over again. And now the deal is they got some uh, prosecutor, county prosecutor on there. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. And she's babbling about, well, uh, so I guess obviously they know who it is because she said the family viewed the videotape. They showed it to them, and the reaction wasn't what they would expect. Maybe this is the way they uh, do discipline in their house, you know? When in doubt, punch them out. That's what the president says we're going to be doing. Today, the Bush administration will publish its first comprehensive rationale for shifting American military strategy toward preemptive action against hostile states and terrorist groups developing weapons of mass destruction. The strategy document will also state for the first time that the United States will never allow its military supremacy to be challenged the way it was during the Cold War. In the 33-page document, Mr. Bush also seeks to answer the critics of growing American muscle flexing by insisting that the U.S. will exploit its military and economic power to encourage the security strategy of the U.S. is one that every president is required to submit to Congress. It's the first comprehensive explanation of the administration's foreign policy from defense strategy to global warming. A copy of the final draft was obtained by the New York Times. It sketches out a far more muscular and sometimes aggressive approach to national security than any uh, since the Reagan era. 
It includes the discounting of most non-proliferation treaties in favor of a doctrine of counter-proliferation, a reference to everything from missile defense to forcibly dismantling weapons or their components. It declares that the strategies of containing and deterrence, staples of American policy since the 40s, are all but dead. There is no way in this changed world, the document states, to deter those who hate the United States and everything for which it stands, one nation under Omser. America is now threatened less by conquering states than we are by failing ones, the document states, sounding what amounts to a death knell for many of the key strategies of the Cold War. One of the most striking elements of the new strategy document is its insistence that the president has no intention of allowing any foreign power to catch up with a huge lead the U.S. has opened since the fall of the Soviet Union more than a decade ago. The, the, you know, the tone of this is just... I, uh, I'm, st I'm stunned and I numb. told you. I told you. Our, and this is in the New York Times, and this isn't uh, something somebody made up. That, this is a document line, being uh, given by the administration to Congress. Earlier, we're never going to have our military might challenged? That is correct. Like we're we're going to keep one. We're number one. We like, like, a, like a football thing, man. We're in the recruiting game, and we're not going to let you catch up to us. Our forces will be strong enough, Mr. Bush's document states, to dissuade political adver adversaries from pursuing a military buildup in hopes of surpassing or equaling the power of the United States. So, in other words, if you think they hate us around the world now, just oh, wait. Oh, man. With Russia so financially... With Russia so financially hobbled that it can no longer come close to matching American military spending, the doctrine seemed aided rising powers like China, which is expanding its conventional and nuclear forces. Administration officials who worked on the strategy for months say it amounts to both a maturation and explanation of Mr. Bush's vision for the exercise of American power after 20 months in office, integrating the military, economic, and moral levers he holds. Much of the document focuses on how public diplomacy, the use of foreign aid, and changes in the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank can be used to win what he, it describes as a battle of competing values and ideas, including a battle for the future of the Muslim world. The president put the final touches on the new strategy last weekend at Camp David after working on it for months with his national security advisor, Condoleezza Rice, and with other members of the national security team. In its military hawkishness, its expressions of concern that Russian reforms could be undermined by the country's elite and its focus on bolstering foreign aid, especially for literacy training and aids, it particularly bears the stamp of Ms. Rice's thinking. A senior White House official said Mr. Bush has edited the document heavily because he thought there were sections where we sounded overbearing or arrogant. <laughs> oh, thank goodness for that. But at the same time, the official said, it's important to foreclose the option to, that other nations could aspire to challenge the U.S. militarily because once you cut off the challenge of military competition, you open up the possibility of cooperation in a number of other areas. Still, the administration's critics at home and abroad will almost certainly find ammunition in the document for their argument that Mr. Bush is only interested in a multilateral approach as long as it doesn't frustrate his will. At several points, the document states clearly that when important American interests are at stake, there will be no compromise. The document argues that while the U.S. will seek allies in the battle against terrorism, we will not hesitate to act alone if necessary to exercise our right of self-defense by acting preemptively. That includes convincing or compelling states to accept their sovereign responsibilities not to aid terrorists, the essence of the doctrine Mr. Bush declared on the night of 9-11-2001. The White House delayed releasing the document this week so that its lengthy discussion of conditions under which the U.S. might take unilateral preemptive action would not dominate delicate negotiations in the United Nations or the testimony of administration officials who appeared at congressional hearings to discuss Iraq. The new strategy departs significantly from the last one published by President Clinton at the end of 1999. Mr. Clinton's strategy de uh, dealt at length with tactics to prevent the kind of financial meltdowns that threatened economies in Asia and Russia. The Bush strategy urges other nations to adopt Mr. Bush's own economic philosophy, starting with low marginal tax rates. Boy, you're doing a good job here, baby. While Mr. Clinton's strategy relied heavily on enforcing or amending a series of international treaties, from the 1972 Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty to the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty to Kyoto Protocols on the Environment, Mr. Bush's strategy dismisses most of those efforts. 
In fact, the new document, which Mr. Bush told his staff had to be written in plain English because the boys in Lubbock ought to be able to read it, celebrates his decision last year to abandon the ABM Treaty because it impeded American efforts to build a missile defense system. It recites the dangers of non-proliferation agreements that have failed to prevent Iran, North Korea, Iraq, and other countries from obtaining weapons of mass destruction and says that the U.S. will never subject its citizens to the newly created International Criminal Court whose jurisdiction does not extend to Americans. The document makes no reference to the Kyoto Accord, but sets an overall objective of cutting American greenhouse gas emissions per unit of economic activity by 18% over the next 10 years. The administration says that's a reasonable goal, given its view of the current state of environmental science. Its critics, however, point out that the objective is voluntary and allows enormous room for American emissions to increase as the American economy expands. The doctrine also describes at great length the administration's commitment to bolstering American foreign aid by 50% in the next few years. In countries whose governments rule justly, invest in their people, and encourage economic freedom, it insists that the programs must have measurable results to assure that the money is actually going to the poor, especially for schools, health care, and clean water. Let's hear it, baby. Giant America, man. Yeah. I told you that was going to, like, uh, take your insides and twist them into a knot. I, I, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. It leaves you almost speechless. We're, we're them. We've turned into the Nazis. Exactly. We're going to dominate the world. Either the Nazis or the Brits. I'm not really sure. We're going to build the American Empire. They're, Forget about the British Empire. We're going to like uh, dominate everybody. The Brits. And anybody that try, anybody that tries to catch up with us, bada bing, baby, bada bing. And of course, this the uh, you can just imagine. Speaking of Lubbock, Texas, the kind of appeal this has, and the kind of people to whom it appeals. Mm. Oh yeah. The good old NRA gunslinging type. How's that uh, poll coming? This is our, se- our second, our semi-annual uh, religion poll. We did one back in March. It'll be interesting. I don't want to see it yet, but on Monday, if Eric's still got the one for March, we can like compare and see uh, if we got any changes in what people believe. And number two, if we had, have anybody left listening. Oh, no, Neil, you're out of touch with what's going on in South Florida. That ain't going to work. That's what my little friend Tom Zicka said. No Shinto's yet. So we went through all that trouble. Eric put it on there right away, and we don't have one jab. Ah, uh, Shiite. Hindu, we got one. Scientologists, we got a pair. Mormon, a pair. Christian scientists, a pair. Jehovah's Witnesses, three. Muslims, six. Buddhists, six. Nine, six. I guess that's possible, huh? Sure, why not? Uh, born again Christians, 13. Wiccan, 36. See, that's the one I find. Eh, I don't know. Although uh, Carlos knows several. Protestant, 38. Jewish, 49. 11.3%. Catholic, 79. Atheist, 86. And agnostics, 100. Ah! So between the agnostics and uh, uh, atheists, we got 43%. That's not bad, huh? Not bad at all. We'll take it. Paul Krugman writes in today's New York Times, the vision thing. This is the way the recovery ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. Okay, I could be wrong. Industrial production's falling off and layoffs are rising, but it's still not a sure thing that the months ahead will be bad enough for the business cycle referees to declare a renewed recession. And on the other hand, the administration seems determined to have a bang sometime before November 5th. But right now it looks as if the economy is stalling, also as if the people in charge have no idea what to do. In short, it's feeling a lot like the early 1990s. It doesn't really matter whether you call what's going on right now a slow recovery or recession. Most people don't care whether the GDP growth is slightly above or below zero. What matters to them is whether they can find jobs and keep them. And the job situation is increasingly dismal. A 5.7% unemployment rate doesn't sound that bad, but an unusually large number of workers have given up searching for jobs. The overall unemployment rate also doesn't reflect the rapidly growing number of people who are truly desperate because they've been out of work for six months or more. And the employment situation has lately taken a significant turn for the worse. The number of people filing new claims for unemployment insurance, a leading indicator of future unemployment, has increased sharply over the past month. At best, then, this is a recovery that, as far as workers are concerned, might as well be a continuing recession. 
The Center on Budget and Policy Priorities points out that in terms of job losses and long-term unemployment, the current slowdown is already a match for the nasty recession of the early 1990s. So this really is like the early 90s all over again. The economic similarity between our current difficulties and the slump under the first George Bush is stronger than most people realize. In 1990, as in 2001, the economy went into recession in part because of past excesses, even though those quaint old scandals involving junk bonds and real estate speculation seem very tame in the age of Enron and Tyco. In the early 90s, as today, recession was followed by a jobless recovery in which GDP grew, but employment did not. And then as now, there was concern that interest rate cuts by the Fed might not be enough to turn the economy around, though back then we didn't yet have the example of Japan to show that the liquidity trap in which even a zero interest rate isn't enough to produce an economic recovery was a real possibility in the modern world. But the most striking similarity between now and a decade ago, it seems to me, is political. For all the differences between the moderate father and the deeply conservative son, now as then we have an administration whose key figures are fundamentally uninterested in and uncomfortable with economic policy. That statement may strike you as strange. Wasn't the tax cut George W. Central achievement before Osama came along? But the tax cut was never intended as an economic policy. It was a political gesture designed to ward off a challenge from Steve Forbes and satisfy the conservative base. Only later did the administration make the providential discovery that it was also just a thing to fight recession, promote family values, and cure the common cold. And it can't seem to come up with anything else now that the tax cut wasn't designed to fight a recession has, sure enough, failed to fight a recession. When Treasury Secretary Paul O'Neill was asked for new ideas that came out of the uh, comical Waco summit, his answer was, are you ready? Making the tax cut permanent. Should we be worried about the administration's lack of the vision thing when it comes to economics? Yes, we should. The excesses of the 90s dwarf those of the 80s, and economic risks are correspondingly larger. Suppose that, as seems increasingly plausible, the deteriorating job situation finally undermines the dogged optimism of America's consumers. In that case, we'll need some decisive action, action determined by what the economy needs, not by what Karl Rove thinks will play in the polls. How much chance is there that we'll get it, asked Paul Krugman in today's New York Times. 1228 at 560 WQM. You want to have a great feast this weekend? Don't forget on the weekends now, they've got that fantastic, unbelievable stuff. Surf and Turf, and Alaskan King Crab and New York Strip Steak made order at the Emerald Coast Chinese Buffet. And lots of other good stuff, too. In fact, make a pit stop when you go to the Emerald Coast at that amazing thing. What is it called? It's the Asian Grill with teriyaki steak, shrimp. Huh? What? It's the Asian Grill. That's what they call it. You can call it whatever you want, but they got teriyaki steak, shrimp, chicken, seafood, hand car, primary, all cooked to your order. They got a full salad bar. They got sushi, fresh room cocktail. And if there's any room left at the end after you've tried all the great soups and entrees and salads and other goodies, they've got a dessert bar that'll knock your socks off. Pies, cakes, pastry, ice cream with all your favorite toppings, even fresh fruit. Three locations of the Emerald Coast Chinese Buffet. It is the best in the universe. There's Sunrise, Pilot out of 44th Street, Collins Avenue just north of 163rd, North Miami Beach, and Flamingo at Pembroke Roads and prestigious Pembroke Pines. Emerald Coast accept reservations, takeout and delivery available as well. So this weekend or any time, head for the Emerald Coast Chinese Buffet. You can call them at 954-572-3822. And don't forget, surf and turf on the weekends now as we speak, including this weekend at the Emerald Coast. We're Sports Radio 560 QAM. Why? I am not a Nazi. If you're a skinhead or white supremacist, you know that the forces pulling the strings in the government are closing down on all those great websites we've become accustomed to. Well, we still have the U.S. Postal Service to rely on. So now is the time to join the Nazi of the Month Club. For just $8.99 a month, 
you get the complete history of one prominent Nazi, past or present, the particular groups he hates, and any subversive activity they may be planning. So no matter what the race, religion, or ethnic group you hate, Nazi of the Month is right up your alley. Just call 1-800-PINHEAD to order. Order today and get your very own synthetic Adolf mustache to impress your friends absolutely free. That's 1-800-PINHEAD. Order today. Okay, we certainly will. 1233 at 560 WQAM. Somebody sends me a quote from Adolf Hitler. It says, through clever and constant application of propaganda, people can be made to see paradise as hell and the other way around. And you know something? I think I know somebody who's in hell, but he thinks he's in paradise. I could be wrong about that. I don't want to mention no names. Anyway, it's 12.34. Time is starting to flip along now. I don't know. I was like, kind of like in a funk here earlier. And then, of course, I read that story about 12.20 there, about our new, our whole new approach to the world. How we're like going to dominate the entire globe. I'm flabbergasted. And that like kind of shook me out of my lethargy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I had read it before, like all the stuff I use on the air, but, but just articulating it, getting, spitting the words out of my mouth and listening to you like uh, peeing in your pants over there. Just, uh, I don't know. I did more than pee in my pants. Well, it wouldn't be a first for today, and I'm sure not the last. Oh, and speaking of that, if you're taking the Tylenol and especially extra strength, but even like regular... It seems to me that several years ago, several, they were telling us about uh, extra strength Tylenol. If you take too much, it's going to like damage your liver and maybe kill you. Several years. But to show you the power that these bastards have, these drug companies, uh, well, it's only taken until now that finally they're getting around to uh, telling the public. Most current acetaminophen labels bear a vague warning not to exceed the recommended dose. For extra strength pills, that means no more than eight every 24 hours. And to prove it, I got a bottle right here of extra strength Tylenol, which I don't take anymore. Uh, and the dosage on the uh, bottle, it says one to two capsules every four hours as required. It is hazardous to exceed eight tablets per day. So in other words, okay. if you took two every four hours, that would be eight. So in other words, if nine would be bad, how good can eight be? You know what I'm saying? Not, not as bad. One leading manufacturer, McNeil Consumer and Specialty Pharmaceuticals, has just changed the labels of Tylenol and other acetaminophen products to say... Overdose warning, taking more than the recommended dose, overdose, can cause serious health problems. And what does it say on this bottle here? It says, and let me read the English, the French I'm not too familiar with. And you do realize that, that everything here has to be in English and well, French? Uh, of course, or else. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, is, it is hazardous to exceed eight per... So they just, you know, it's like a verbiage thing, you know, they're just playing a little game with it. They just made it a little bit stronger. Taking an overdose may cause... Oh, they announced yesterday it'll make it even stronger. Taking an overdose may cause liver damage. In other words, they're starting to tell the truth is what it is. Just slowly but surely, in little teeny tiny writing. Only because I got good eyesight can I even read that print. Government advisors yesterday recommended even more changes for every acetaminophen-containing product, a warning that taking more than the recommended dose may cause liver damage, a warning not to use other products that contain acetaminophen because the dose adds up. And all of the almost 200 acetaminophen-containing products, should say, contains acetaminophen in large, bold type on the front of the bottle, so people not taking one product know which others to avoid. I'll tell you one thing, man. They're killing more goddamn people. But what difference does it make? When we take over the world, who the hell gives oh, a crap, huh? We're going to have World War III, and we're going to be the bad guys. Perfect sense, didn't it? Well, it made sense. We know now it wasn't perfect sense. We know that it was. Here's the guy that wrote the piece in Newsweek to... about how we Christopher uh, Dickey from Newsweek magazine. We yeah. were in his Dickies about how we put Hussein in there in the first place and built him up and gave him. And they showed a little uh, clip before Rumsfeld, you know, Herr, Herr, uh, Hermann Gehring Rumsfeld over there shaking hands with Sodom with a big smile on his puss. 
All right, I'm told we do have a picture of that meeting I just told you about. Let's take a look at it briefly as we continue oh, our here discussion. Here we go again. Okay, what Saddam a nice segue. Hussein. There it is. Excellent. There it is again. And, There's uh, Rummy and uh, Saddam. Saddam. Well, at the time, his description is the cable hey, you back to the United States Smart was that uh, Saddam Hussein was vigorous and confident. Um, was he sort of um, swept away by the charms of Saddam Hussein? Just saying that seems odd. I don't no, think he, was he had any illusions about Arnuckes. Saddam Hussein. I think he knew perfectly well that Saddam uh, was a murderous thug. I think he knew that Saddam had used poison gas in the war with uh, Iran. I think he knew that Saddam had supported terrorists like Abu Nidal, who were fighting against Israel, and also fighting against any Arabs or Palestinians who wanted to make peace with Israel. No, I don't think there were any illusions. There was just a, a decision that Saddam might be an SOB, but he could be the Americans' SOB. There you go. <laughs> what good timing. Excellent. See, all the dictators, all these scumbags, as long as there are SOBs and dictators and scumbags, then they're good guys. They're fine. And as, as soon as uh, it becomes convenient, then all of a sudden we start bemoaning and decrying, oh, they're dangerous, and look what they did, and they gassed their own people. Yeah, we got a gas for you, okay, Rummy? Iraqi forces moved to civilian areas, speaking of that. Iraq has moved small numbers of military forces into civilian areas and what some Pentagon officials interpret as a precaution against a possible surprise U.S. aerial attack, officials said yesterday. The officials to discuss the matter on condition of anonymity, of course, said it appeared Iraq believes these forces would be spared in short-notice U.S. attack because of the high risk of civilian casualties. The dispersal of forces was not, however, on the large scale that Pentagon would expect to see if Iraq were anticipating an imminent American-led coalition attack. The movement of forces was alluded to by Defense Secretary Hermann Gehring Rumsfeld on Wednesday, although he cast it in a different light. He said it indicated Iraq hoped to attract U.S. attacks on civilian buildings, such as hospitals and schools, in order to fan the flames of anti-Americanism. They're just masters at manipulating the press and putting out disinformation, Rumsfeld told PBS's NewsHour with Jim Lehrer. They're already moving military units and elements to the next to the mosque and next to hospitals and next to schools so they can claim that the coalition has done all of these terrible things. It's an old pattern. How about that baby milk factory, too, huh? Get those signs out. In English, Crayola written, U.S. officials claimed during the 91 Gulf War that Iraqi forces deliberately damaged mosques and other cultural structures and then blamed it on American forces. Your sense of where it'll head? Well, there's a big fear that there'll just be chaos after Saddam goes, that the country will break apart into two or three different pieces, uh, that the only way to avoid that may be for the United States to effectively occupy Iraq, which is a huge investment of time. And oh, you don't mean taking over those oil fields, do you? Huh? As part of our new attempt for world domination? Seriously, that was one of the most fascistic things um, I've ever read in my life. 20 before 1. But, hey, don't confuse the public with the facts. And, of course, those people who need to hear that the most, they're busy listening to Rush right now anyway. So what the hell with that? Hey, if you love your home but you need more space, here's the answer. And what you need to be doing, do what hundreds of other people are doing, call Strictly Additions. Whether you're having a baby, need another room, maybe you're converting a carport or patio into living space, or maybe you're going into business for yourself and you want to make a home office for you. Well, just call Strictly Additions and let them do all the planning and all the work. They're your one-stop shop, more space for your place place, with an absolutely, positively worry-free approach to expanding your living space. Those no-shows by the other contractors who've let you down in the past ain't going to happen. Incomplete work, no way, Jose. No unexpected bills, no worries about the job not getting done right, and they take care of every single stinking last detail. They drop your blueprints. They get the building permits, handle all the inspections, too. Strictly Additions has got that easy five-step approach to total customer satisfaction to making you a happy camper. Number one, they call to schedule a free project evaluation appointment at your home where a project estimator will determine the scope of your addition. 
Number two, they schedule a bid appointment in their convenience showroom where you'll get a detailed proposal and an exact price for the work. Number three, select your finishing touches, go to contract. Number four, review the design architectural drawings. And then last and certainly not least, sit back with a smile on your puss and relax as your Dream Edition moves ahead on schedule. With the editions, a call at 954-791-8100. Check out their end yellow pages, 954-79, what is it, 791-8100, like I said. They're licensed, they're insured professionals who care about the work they do, and they serve all of Broward and South, South Palm Beach counties. Call 954-791-8100 and tell them old Neil told you to call Strictly Additions. This is Sports Radio 560 QAM. Bandage, I f***ed Kids Bop Records, where kids sing along with popular songs, now introduces Kids Bop Classic. 20 original modern-day classic songs the whole family can enjoy. Oh, baby, make it hurt so good. The only family that she's ever had is her seven horny brothers and her drunk dad. Your kids can dance to these songs all day. They're songs that kids love. Get a job, you f***ing slob, don't be replied. I wish I was special. You're so f***ing special. I get high in the evening and pop the blue. The kids are back. I'm a bitch, I'm a bitch, yes, the bitch is back. I can still get high. I can play the guitar like a motherfucking ride. Kids Bop Classic. Not available in any store. Hurry. Order today. 1245 at 560 WQAM. All of a sudden, it's like we went into high gear once I read that article, you know, like, like the, um, the sand The sand is running out of that uh, hourglass. stunned. Miami jurors sentenced for leaks. I sure don't want to run out of time before we get a chance for this because it's been sitting here in my pile for a while. A former federal grand jury was sentenced to two and a half years in prison Wednesday for leaking information on an ecstasy drug reinvestigation before agents searched O.J. Simpson's home. See, a week isn't complete without at least some kind of an O.J. story, you know? All right. John Acosta, who pleaded guilty in April to obstruction of justice, will also have to serve three years supervised release and perform 300 hours of community service. Personal loyalties must never be placed above civic responsibility or commitment to the common good, especially for a grand juror, U.S. District Judge Patricia A. Seitz said in sentencing Acosta. A grand juror's oath of secrecy is one of the cornerstones of our system, and any violation of it undermines the public trust and confidence in our judicial system, said U.S. Attorney Marcos Daniel Jimenez. No relation to Jose. Acosta tipped a friend of the, that the friend's girlfriend, Zenaida Galvez, had been charged last November 27th under a sealed indictment and that target locations in the sting included Simpson's home and the home of defendant Andrew Anderson. Prosecutor said Galvez then told someone else in the case. Just days later, on December 4th, search warrants were served at Simpson's and Anderson's homes and agents found little or no evidence. Now we're beginning to understand why, huh? Yeah. Investigators targeted Anderson in the probe, alleging sales of more than 20,000 ecstasy tablets. An FBI agent testified at a co-defendant's trial that Anderson supplied the party drug to the retired football star. Simpson has denied to his attorney that he received the drug. He ain't been charged, of course. All defendants in the ecstasy... I mean, you know, after you murder a couple of people, what's the... Uh, yeah, uh, small potatoes. You know, right. All defendants in the ecstasy case pleaded guilty except for a Toledo, Ohio developer who was acquitted after admitting he bought ecstasy for recreational use. And... Yeah. Vienna, Austria. Animal lovers and horsemen are protesting a plan by Vienna's leaders to diaper carriage horses, drawing horses in order to keep the city streets clean. <laughs> <laughs> Animal lovers and horsemen are protesting a plan by Vienna's leaders to diaper carriage drawing horses in order to keep the city streets clean. 
Donning diapers themselves, animal rights activists yesterday lined up at Hero Square in front of the former Imperial Hofburg Palace to protest the plan. The protesters claiming that the proposal, meant to keep horse droppings from sullying the streets of the historic capital, would inflict unnecessary suffering on the animals. The diapers would restrict the horse's movement and would rub, causing wounds, said Attila Sermon, no relation to Attila the Hun, a spokesman for Four Paws, the group that organized the protest. We ought to hook them up with the PETA people, you know what? Just rub it? Four Paws. Some of the 20 activists who came out to protest stood side by side with their rears in the air to spell out their slogan, Stop Poo Bags. <laughs> in in oh, New York, they have uh, the, the handsome cabs. They have these things that catch the manure that's part of the harness arrangement. Why can't they use that? A crapper catcher. Right. The drivers of the traditional carriages whose rides through the city's historic downtown streets are popular with tourists said they, too, were opposed to the diapers. Members of the pro-government Greens Party have also spoken out against the plan, noting that the bag-like diapers would prevent the horses from being able to flick away flies with their tails. The animal rights activists urged city officials to try instead to reduce the number of horse-drawn carriages and deploy more cleanup teams armed with brooms and scoops to clean up the droppings, like they do in Amsterdam, man. Although we don't have a lot of horses in Amsterdam. We've got some cops on horses. They also claimed that the diapers would do nothing to fight the main source of horse-caused stench, urine. Oh, God. Squirt, squirt. So how about like a uh, diaper for their... Have to be pretty big diapers, though, I guess. Extra absorbent. Because those horses have got awfully big squirt, squirt. members. Awfully big. Okay, here's how the poll is going so far. Our semi-annual religion poll. What religion are you? Now, Eric, even though I asked him, and that's okay. I don't want him to feel bad about it. He's just trying to be efficient after you bitched him out this morning. But he faxed me the result from the last time we did this was on March the 10th, which is about six months ago. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't going to look at it till Monday because otherwise it's spo- it kind of like taints your view of the. Uh, but I did, and it's pretty interesting, as a matter of fact. But I'm not going to talk about it till Monday. Okay. Uh, which religion are you? Agnostic 108, atheist 94. So you put those two together, you got like 44 percent. Catholic 84, Jewish 50, uh, Protestant 40, Wiccan. See, we didn't have Wiccan on last time. We also didn't have Shinto. The Wiccan, I don't believe for a second. 36. We have 36 Wiccans in this audience. Maybe six. Born-again Christians, 15, 610, Buddhist, 6, Muslim, 6, Shinto, 5 now. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, 3. Mormon, 2. we got a pair now. Oh! Woo! Scientologists, 2. Christian scientists, 2. And Hindu, be having 1. 1 Hindu. Finally. Well, I mean, so we got at least at least 1 on everything. And, of course, it'll be up there all weekend long. And also, don't forget, we got some links to some other good stuff on there on our website, which makes it almost worth going to now, neilrogers.com. Ten before one and the Mad Dog on QAM. Live and local. We're Sports Radio 560. QAM. On the call. OJ, 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 OJ. You killed the call. You killed the That night, when she turned off all the lights, there's no place where she could hide. Oh no, OJ was gonna get her. OJ went out to kill her. OJ went out to kill her. OJ went out to kill her. 
57 at 560 WQM. We got the Mad Dog, the hysterical hound, coming up at 1 o'clock. Hank with a full four hours today, including the Dave Wanstead show between 5 and 6. I'm so glad I, I was in my pile and almost forgot about this because a lot of people are very concerned about this, about their cell phones and cancer and all of that, all of these things. Aren't you concerned about that? Yes, very. Tumor. Stockholm, Sweden. A review of cell phone studies commissioned by the Swedish Radiation Protection Authority, which I didn't even know there was a Swedish Radiation Protection Authority, but we do now, has found no consistent evidence of an increased risk of cancer from usage of cell phones, the agency said. All right. Studies have differed on whether the use of mobile phones increases the risk of cancer. As the handsets have become increasingly popular and efficient, the governmental agency asked Dr. John, uh, a couple of doctors, uh, to evaluate <laughs> published epidemiology. Well, I, we don't have time. Uh, I know. To evaluate published research on the subject. The review looked at nine studies since 1996 that include factors such as type of phone, duration and frequency of use, and brain tumor location, and found that more research was needed. No consistent evidence was observed for increased re risk of brain cancer or other forms of cancer, the scientists said in the review released Wednesday. The agency acknowledged public concern about the issue and said many studies were still being performed and continued follow-up was needed on any possible carcinogenic effect linked to mobile phone usage. You can never say that something is without risk, but at least we can say that there is no scientific evidence for a casual association between the use of cell phones and cancer, said Lars Eric Paulson. No relation, of course, to Pat Paulson, a radiation expert within the agency. So, you believe it? Yeah, sure. Nah, it sounded kind of like, I don't know. In other words, they don't have any positive proof, but they're still looking, and uh, don't, don't, be, don't be too cocksure, so to speak. Something, something will kill you before the brain tumor does. Right. That's right. Like maybe the president, for example. Oh, <laughs> We, hey, listen, I don't want to stop. we got the weekend coming up. I want to be in a good mood. I, in fact, I got that way back in my trash bag. I got that. I tore it up into a million pieces. I don't want to see that story again. I don't want to hear those words again. What words are those? America Uber Alice or whatever the hell that thing was. Because uh, that would be very skeptical and unpatriotic, and we sure don't want to do that on this show, do we? Yeah. We don't want to be. All I can say is. Do, 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 do. Right. 
Okay, like I said, the Mad Dog is coming up next. I got news for you. I think on Monday I'm playing that one bit all the whole show, all four hours. Just, just for the doi, 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 doi. hell of it. And then, like I said, Hank three to seven. We got some Marlin crap tonight because we just can't get that season over. Eddie K after the Marlin game and overnight. Good luck to you. Bye bye bye. The Neil Rogers Show on five sixty WQAM Miami Fort Lauderdale. But I smell it. You're listening to the best of WQAM online. We'll have you back to regular programming in just a few moments. But until then, here's Howard.